Welcome back, listeners, to another fascinating rendition of your favorite podcast in the universe. Hindsight is horrifying. This is Darth Jader here with her podcast partner, Jason Mitchell. And welcome back to another week of nonsense. We're so happy to have you listening with us again. No, no, no uh, guests this week, though. Uh, so yeah, sad. you're just, yeah. you got to put up with your two favorite idiots. That's yeah. what's happening this week. Uh, Darth uh, failed on booking, I guess, this week. So. Well, we, we, we picked an easy movie. So. Oh, you picked an easy movie. <laughs> yeah, I picked an easy movie. <laughs> Let's put that out there. But uh, so, yeah, speaking of which, we are watching a movie that, and we'll get into this in a minute, a movie that I thought I had seen. It's so quoted and so well established in my childhood that I literally thought I had seen it. Then when I went to rewatch it, I realized I hadn't ever That's watched amazing. this movie it's all the way through. Amazing. So, and not even like a piecemeal where I had definitely watched Caddyshack all the way through, but maybe in parts. No, I've literally never watched this entire movie. I was genuinely confused when the wrestlers came out in the beginning. So, Jason, why don't you tell our listeners what we're watching this week? I think I think the wrestler bit might have uh, given it away to some people. We are watching the 1986 cult classic Highlander. There can be only one. Which is a movie that uh, I have seen a uh, hundred million times. I, I saw it whenever I was a kid, and it, it left a lasting impression on me. Literally, I've actually got a scar because of this movie um <laughs> seriously oh god sorry yeah. i just got dis- really distracted by the fat wrestler doing a strip tease out of his robe yes <laughs> sorry yes. about that yes we, we are watching the uh, the epic opening scene that was supposed to be shot at an nhl hockey game uh but unfortunately uh the nhl decided that they didn't want to highlight the violence uh, of hockey, which is exactly what the producers were trying to show. Irony. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, the opening scene of Highlander takes place at a wrestling match, which is very strange because... All the violence is fake. Yeah, all the violence is completely fake. And maybe that's a statement. Maybe that's saying something. Well, that's one thing that Josh and I noted because I actually watched this with Josh, who has not seen this movie all the way through either. I can't, believe, either. I can't yeah. believe this. He's he's closer to your age, so that did surprise me too. Uh, but he's never seen it, having grown up overseas. But anyway, uh, yeah, I was like, remember when wrestlers Canada. weren't required to have muscles? And Josh goes, yeah, back when they were just fat guys in spandex, oh, yeah. fake fighting each Absolutely, other. Absolutely, yeah. I had forgotten about those. Days. It was a golden age. I I had maybe purposefully forgotten about those days because it wasn't Dwayne the Rock Johnson in spandex. It's not the same, guys. Yeah, if you ever want to see what wrestling was like in the 1980s, just go Don't. watch the uh, Cindy Lauper video for uh, Goonies. Uh, there you good go. Good enough. Because it's nothing but wrestlers, because they were a really big deal back then. Yeah, they were a huge for. I mean, it's not like they're not a big wave of entertainment now, but no, wrestling not, nowhere was, near the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it was it was such a bigger thing back in the day. So, for those of you who don't know, for those of you who have not seen this movie, uh, Highlander is a romantic comedy uh, about two friends who adopt a baby, starring Jennifer Aniston. Yes, yeah, starring Vaughn. Jennifer, Yeah. <laughs> Now, Highlander is, of course, the story of a man, uh, Connor McLeod, who was born in the Highlands of Scotland in the 15th century, I think. Yeah. Um, And he died. Uh, But that's not the end of the movie. Did he? (laughs) Yeah. Because, of course, if you are uh, an immortal uh, and not a Highlander, I get so irritated when people say, oh, he's a Highlander. No, that's just he's a Highlander because that's where he was from. Yes, he's from the Highlands of Scotland. (laughs) Uh, If you are an immortal... Surprise, surprise, you're immortal and you can't die. And, and, and unless someone 
chops your chops head, your head off. off. And I was explaining this to, to my nine-year-old son the other day because I said, oh, we need to watch Highlander. I can see David taking this so literally. <laughs> well, and, and he was like, well, what's it about? And I explained, well, you know, the, the, these people can't die unless uh, you chop their head off. And he's like, well, if you blow them up, won't their head come off? I'm I like, made the same note. I was like, if your head can be chopped off and you can be killed, you're not yeah. immortal. <laughs> that, I was so pissed about that. that they actually get into that in the tv series they actually delve into the concept that if i blow you up and in the process your head is removed from your shoulders that counts um yeah you know or if i get you know a a big maw deuce machine gun and just you know riddle you with bullets eventually (laughs) your eventually your head's gonna come off and then you're dead um so Connor McCloud is, of course, an immortal, and he is uh, uh, he is blessed with immortality, but he is cursed to fight other immortals until only two remain, and then they too will fight, and the winner will get a prize, which the, the writers prize. named the prize. <laughs> so clever. <laughs> Where do they come up with this? Oh, and I've got to interrupt you, Jason, because Jan Michael Vincent. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Chris Lambert. Chris Lambert. No, come on. <laughs> Jan Michael in a world where Jan Michael Vincents are scarce. No, but seriously, Josh and I were joking about that. He was like, there just aren't enough jan michael vincent's and i was like okay thanks forrest gump but uh the highlander gets into a fight in a parking garage with the legendary do you know who that is jason i know he was the stunt coordinator for the movie he is and he's the stunt coordinator and you listeners whether you've seen this movie or not you have seen this gentleman in some way shape or form his name is peter diamond and he is one of the most legendary stunt performers actors directors Uh, He was born in 1925, died in 2004, and the reason why I bring him up is because he will also come up. He actually came up during my research for an upcoming episode where we're going to feature the Princess Bride. I was going to say Princess Bride? Because he was the stunt coordinator along with another famous uh, uh, Olympian fencer. Uh, And Carrie always actually commits almost an entire chapter to talking about his fencing training for Princess Bride because the sword play was so important to Rob Reiner. So we'll we'll talk about that in more detail because uh, Carrie always Carrie, uh, and yes, Jason, I'm actually on a first name basis with this celebrity. Yeah, I know. I so know. we know this, but um, yeah. So Carrie, I've been reading rereading your book. I love you, and we're watching Peter Diamond, who you gave a shout out to in your book, and that is who uh, Chris Lambert fights in the parking garage scene. With the long swords or, amongst all the cars, or, where they or, break a sprinkler and make some rain. If you're if you're uh, Doctor Jonas Venture, it's Christopher Lambert. Well, uh, the, the Venture Brothers fans it. will get that one. <laughs> so this uh, this opening scene uh, in the parking garage was filmed in England. Uh, so they you know the the crews overseas they're they're I guess scouting for locations and you know Russell McCahey and Panzer and Davis and all those guys. Evidently, they didn't realize that parking garages in England don't look like parking garages no. in America. No, they don't. So they actually filmed this entire parking garage sequence at a uh, a fruit market. No And they had way. to make it look like a parking garage. Oh, my God. And, yeah. Um, and there's, oh, yep, there's our, our first, first beheading. Kill. Yep, there's number one. And, of course, he, he chops his head off and the sword embeds itself into a concrete pillar. Like like it does. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, what sword fight has that not happened to yeah. you? I mean, come on, it happens to me all the time. I love I love this sequence because the first time you watch this and you're like, "What the hell is happening?" 
he just cut the guy's head off, and now there's really, really poorly animated lightning effects. No, everywhere. that's exactly. What, I was like, Josh, what the hell's happening? And he looks up, and he wasn't. He was sort of watching the movie with me, listeners. But he looks up from his uh, game or book or whatever, and he goes, "Um, oh, I, th- I think I remember this. The Highlander absorbs the power of whomever he kills. Yeah. If it's another Highlander or another immortal that thank, he kills, thank sorry, you. thank you. Let me correct myself. But yeah." He's got his white uh, Reeboks on or whatever those are. They're very 80s. I think they, I think they are Reeboks. Right? <laughs> they yeah. must be. Yeah. If it's a white sneaker in the 80s, it has to be. But uh, And this is one thing that just struck me. And I know that Tom Jane wasn't even on the scene in 1986. Not really uh, that I'm aware of. But Chris Lambert gives me a very Tom Jane kind of vibe. They have very fim- similar faces. And yeah. they're both blonde so, or blonde-ish. So I don't know. I was just like. That can't be Tom Jane. The first time I saw him was in 1999 in Deep Blue Sea. So yeah. now Christopher Lambert, he he is he's a, he's a good actor. He's been in a bunch of you know uh, of other movies. Uh, you know, in America, he's not known for anything other than Highlander. No, 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 no. And- uh, actually, the whole thing with Christopher Lambert, uh, the role was originally offered to Kurt Russell. Yeah. And would you like to know who talked him out of said role, listeners? His then girlfriend, Goldie Hawn. <laughs> so thanks, Goldie. Kurt Russell was almost the Highlander, but Christopher Lambert was uh, his only American film credit was playing Tarzan mm-hmm. in 1984, spectacularly named according to Mental Floss. Uh, Gray Stroke, Gray Stoke, The yeah. Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes. Yeah, and which that's, is a good movie, by the way. But that leads yeah. into a lot of different aspects about Highlander because when McKay first cast. Christopher Lambert, he had no idea that Christopher Lambert was from Switzerland and that his English was incredibly limited because in Tarzan, all he has to do is like grump grump like an Yeah, he just spoke a few words. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't. And so that feeds into this whole concept of why (laughs) Highlander's accent makes zero freaking sense. Well, they actually, they they had to send him to a dialogue coach to teach him to have a nonspecific accent. I don't know. It's still and, all over. The, it's very much it, it Dr. Is. Richard Kimball in my head. It's still all over the place. And, and they actually, because he kept slipping into something that sounded French, uh-huh. they, they wrote in the flashback sequence showing him living in France just to establish that he, at some point after living in Scotland, had lived in France. And it was their, their thinking was, well, that'll kind of explain why every once in a while he sounds sort of vaguely French. It makes sense. because, And they even wrote in that bit when the cops are first questioning him over the murder in the parking <laughs> garage. They're like, they're like, you don't sound right, buddy. What's that accent? Or what? they can't figure out why he sounds so strange. But, Where are you from, Nash? Yeah, dude. But uh, seriously, though, this is actually a thing that has happened with more and more uh, international stars in television and movies like Alexander Skarsgård talked about that when he was on True Blood because he's Swedish and he is one of the few vampires on True Blood who doesn't have a southern accent. Yeah. So and one of the things that they asked him about, he was like, yeah, well, my character's supposedly thousands and thousands of years old. He's like a 2000 year old vampire. So he's like, I would have roamed the world. I, I and he has this very American yeah. neutral accent. It's not southern, northern. It's not really anything. And he and so that's why he decided to do that kind of a voice for himself on that show. Whereas Bill Compton sounds like he's from Savannah, Georgia, despite the fact that he was born yeah. in Louisiana. Yeah. So it whenever you're dealing with actors who especially aren't from the area, 
trying to do an accent, let alone. Well, I think there's a conscious decision at a certain point that we can really get hung up on the accents or we can just do it. I actually last night I watched uh, uh, Rowan Atkinson is in a uh, detective series. Uh, the Black Adder. No, yeah, <laughs> no. Um, uh, great. Um, M-A-I-G-R-E-T. Okay. And it's a it's a French series, follows a, 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 a chief uh, inspector in Paris uh, in the 1950s. And I tuned in and I was actually wondering, like, what are the accents going to sound like? Yeah. And uh, they just, they're, they're all British. Everyone in, everyone in it is just straight up British. They don't even attempt. And sometimes do, that's yeah. easier. Like the Kevin Costner, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. You, everyone is English except for Kevin Costner. Right. Who is yeah. obviously Robin Hood. Yeah. So it, and that's where Carrie always, Carrie, once again, I'm just going to shout out to you all day uh, in Robin, in Carrie always Robin Hood. Guess what? I'm the Robin Hood that spe- can speak with an English accent. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, and. and it, it is interesting because uh, it, unlike well, other Robin Hoods. Well, Morgan Freeman did he have an accent in Robin Hood? I don't um, remember. Yes, he did actually. Uh, Infidel. Yeah, he yeah, did. That's right. He did. Yeah. He had a Middle Eastern accent. But you know, so in a movie like this, it, it, I, you know, I can kind of appreciate the fact that they sort of, you know, they did try. They sent him to a dialogue coach. That's yeah. Fine. They made an honest effort. Yeah. But, but at the end of the had, day, like it's you Highlander. said, they they had to make a conscious decision. <laughs> yeah. And plus, yeah, it's it is. Highlander, who's yeah. who's going home and weeping over this, right. except for Nick Offerman, which I found out in my mental lo- mental flaws research. This is one of Nick Offerman's favorite movies oh, of all time. It's, yeah, it's one of yeah. I can totally see that. And this movie was a complete failure at the box office, but there are four sequels. Yes, because uh, and mental flaws. I'm not going to start shouting out to you either, because whoever wrote this article, shout out to you. It says, despite being beheaded by Pretty in Pink during its opening weekend of March of 1986, Highlander has managed to spawn a near immortal franchise consisting of four sequels, three television series, novels, uh, comics, and a robust collectible sword collection. Oh, yeah. No, it's funny because you literally cannot kill this franchise. It's immortal. And it's, it's interesting because the... The movie, I mean, Highlander 1986, which we're watching today, one of my all-time favorite movies. And I was so excited to get my hands on a copy of the sequel, Highlander 2. Mm -hmm. And when I tell people it's possibly the worst movie ever made, I am serious when I mean Plan 9 from Outer Space is probably a better movie than and, Highlander 2. And I've never heard of Plan 9 from Outer Space, so I'm a little concerned. Yeah, it's it's Ed Wood's, you know, classic. It's it sort of set the standard for the worst movie ever made. And I genuinely think Highlander 2 is worse. It is so bad. It it, it, it only it, it's it's painful to watch. It's so bad. Well, and according to Mental Floss, the reason why you can, you know, really hate on the sequel is because uh of the country of Argentina where they shot and according to fans, oh, so I didn't know that. Uh, part of what happened is, uh, as far as the fans are concerned, uh, basically Bill Panzer, uh, according to Bill Panzer, the idea of the Immortals results from fans constantly asking about the origins of it since the 1986 original. Mm-hmm. So they felt the producers and the director they felt obligated to go back and really figure out what the origin story was. But the bigger thing was the country of Argentina where they shot. 
because uh, the production was underway when the country began to experience significant inflation, mm. leading to cost overruns, which led skittish insurers to interfere and filming was edited to a point where the movie made almost zero yeah, it, sense. Yeah, literally the movie does not make sense. And not that I've yeah, seen it, yeah. because I, <laughs> apparently I've well, not seen any of this. I remember skitters of it from like, I, I remember him as the Highlander in Scotland. I remember mm -hmm. him riding the horse. I remember just little snippets of this movie, but honest to God, I've never watched this movie all the way through and not seen enough of any significant chunks of it to have pieced it together. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, it, it's so bizarre because Highlander 2 is as different a movie as you could possibly imagine. I mean, it's it's a science fiction movie set in the future with aliens flying around on, like, skateboards. I don't, don't even remember. It's so bad. It's I was about so to say, terrible. I don't know anything about this, so I can't pitch <clears> it and, right and, and it actually deals with the whole exploding a Highlander thing because in Highlander 2, Connor McCloud begins and he's very, very old. And he is in a huge explosion and he walks out of the explosion and he's back to being the Connor McLeod that we know. And also Sean Connery is back somehow. That was going to be my question yeah. because Sean Connery, oh man, uh, he apparently only filmed for seven days mm -hmm. on the first Highlander. Got a million bucks for seven days of work. Jesus. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. well, well, that makes me think, uh, shout out to Mel Gibson from our Lethal Weapon episode. Uh, he was on SNL, Mel Gibson, hosting uh, way back in the day. I want to say the early 90s. And it was back when he still had his Australian accent. Shout out to all of our our Australians out there. We love you so dearly. Yes. But Mel was hosting SNL, and he said, here's the thing about hosting on SNL. I find that television is a lot more effort with far fewer reward, whereas movie, uh, few effort. Much bigger reward. <laughs> that was like his whole opening speech is that he was talking about how much more money you earn in movies, especially when you become a big deal. And Sean Connery, yeah, yeah he yeah. shot for seven days and then he was such a big deal and such an internationally renowned movie star by the second Highlander that he put it in his writer, in his contract, that there would be no James Bond talk at all. No, anyone who well, spoke about James Bond to him was subject to be fired. Yeah, he, he was going through that whole phase where he was trying to do his own Bond franchise at the what? time. Yeah, um, there there is a weird um, Bond film that came out in the 80s starring Sean Connery. Uh, never sure. say never. Yeah, never say never again. And never say never again is completely detached from the Eon, you know, Cubby Broccoli, you know, uh, uh, James Bond franchise. Mm -hmm. And Sean Connery wanted to make his own Bond film, and it was going to be the biggest Bond film ever. And instead, he made a basically terrible remake of Thunderball, because it's the exact same movie. It's, oh. you know, it's a remake of Thunderball. It's so weird. That's wildly disappointing. It's, yeah, it is It is a complete anomaly. It's worth watching if you're a Bond fan. It It, it is interesting, um, because you get to see, what would 1980s Sean Connery James Bond be like? And it, you know, it, it's James Bond. It's Sean Connery as Bond. So I can see him... Having uh, um, having his nose a bit out of shape as far as the 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 whole concept of Bond. Got it. During Highlander too. Oh, and sorry. Quick shout out to Gilmore Girls, a very subtle one, because uh, de uh, Detective Walter B something. Uh, he's a much younger version in this 1986, but John Polito, the actor who plays him, is Frank. 
the guy from the pizza shop in Stars Hollow in Gilmore Girls. And really? that's yes. Um when Rory is trying to make the world's largest pizza for Lorelai's birthday, and she discovers that she can only make the uh like Tri County's Tri County area's largest pizza. That's as large as they can go. And Kirk melts his hands in the cheese or something. But yeah, the guy who runs the pizza sh- pizza shop. Uh, that's this detective guy who's running around with the chief. So I, I was just like, where have I seen that face? And I, I was like, wait, the only other place is Gilmore Girls. So there you go. Yeah, this is a classic 1980s uh, reference to, you know, everyone hating New Jersey. Um, you know, that, well, <laughs> well, because you ever get to New Jersey, Nash? Not if I can help it. Uh, you know. And that was almost a Schwarzenegger read right there. <laughs> it's a sword. It. <laughs> Wise up, smart ass. I love this line. It's one of my favorite lines. Whenever the cop says, uh, asks Nash if he's a faggot. Why? Are you cruising for a piece of ass? <laughs> it's just so. <laughs> I'm sure in his, you know, yeah. I'm sure there was no loss in translation there at all. <laughs> but it, it it's in the movie at this point. And it's so hard to separate Highlander from all of the sequels and the TV shows and everything because the movie itself is so self-contained. You know, it has a beginning, it has a middle, it has an end. When it's over with, the prize is won. Connor McCloud goes off with the girl. Yeah, it sews itself itself up nicely despite the fact that this movie's an utter train wreck. Yeah. Um, But yet they not only made Highlander 2, which was a horrible failure, then they made, see, Highlander the Final Dimension. Good uh, God. Highlander the Source. They made an animated series, the TV series, starring Adrian Paul, which I loved. Sure. Um, until it, you know, it's like a lot of shows. It was great until it wasn't. Um, and they made an animated movie. I think in the end, there were four McClouds. There was Connor, Duncan, Quentin, and uh they're like the baldwins by the end yeah. of this franchise good lord yeah and th- then colin mcleod who was in like the anime version of highland it was very very strange and there um there are persistent rumors that they're rebooting it that they're going to come back and they're going to make a highlander movie now that oh, I'm, yeah. I'm actually okay with that i'm because the movie oh, itself yeah. there's nothing that they can do to this movie there is literally nothing they can they do. They can't possibly worsen no, it. They can't. I mean, the movie itself is I keep Highlander on a shelf where I keep my favorite movies and I pretend that none of the sequels exist. So there's nothing that they can do that's going to be worse than Highlander 2. Well, and I mean, that's why going back to the whole Nick Offerman thing, he said that he was so disappointed that Chris Pratt had never seen it. So uh, Clancy Brown. Uh, during the Parks and Recreation shooting, oh. Nick Rick and Morty, by the way, you know, uh, the Rick and Morty connection to this movie. Oh, God, what is it? Uh, do you remember the episode of Rick and Morty where they go to the uh, planet where you can't be killed with the big amusement park? Oh, yeah. You know, the alien who is <clears throat> the alien who who wants Jerry to kill Rick? No. Played, played by, played by oh. none other than Clancy Brown. That, yep. that, that just made my entire life oh, yeah, yeah. so That's, much happier. Yeah, that alien is the Kurgan. I'm just asking you to get <laughs> yeah. on a ride with Rick, get off yeah. the ride without Rick. <laughs> Better to burn out than well, to fade away. And ah. Clancy Brown. I love Clancy Brown. He's awesome. <laughs> he evidently had a very different view of how Kurgan should be dressed as the modern Kurgan. He wanted him to have a suit and a bowler hat. And I'm over here like, 
okay, Clockwork Orange, yeah. why? And apparently the reason, uh, you know, who, according to Mental Floss, chewed more scenery than his, or who portrayed the scenery chewing Kurgan. Oh, uh, yeah. Clancy Brown expressed some disappointment that the movie was opted for action beats over more philosophical exploration. Yeah, it's weird. Clancy Brown's actually not like, it's funny because having seen this movie so many times, I just thought that's the sort of person Clancy Brown is. And it, as it but turns out, he's not. No, yeah, you he's watch really this, not. Yeah, it says, sadly, Brown's pleas for subtlety in Highlander this. went unheard. And that's hilarious coming but, from the guy who's wagging his tongue at nuns in a church. I, I love this, though. When the hooker comes in, she goes, I'm candy. And he says, of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just. It's so awesome. No, but actually that scene where he's uh, freaking out the nuns. Uh-huh. Um, they, first of all, the, the way they got that church was they literally scoured, uh, I guess they were, they were filming in New York for, for those scenes. They scour New York, literally trying to find a church that is in the most financial trouble possible so that they can write them a check. And the deal is do we're going to do much whatever, whatever they want we want. Do. Yeah. But Clancy Brown, when he finished that scene, he actually, um, he he went up to all the people and he like apologized to everybody Aww. and he was like I'm so sorry if I offended you it was just a character it was just a part he was he was like that was my Mr Jekyll in mode yeah, that's yeah. what it was I'm, I'm just an actor I'm just doing a job please don't think that I'm that sort of a please, person please uh, you know? don't assign me any hail marys yeah I, I didn't mean any of it see and the um they establish um. They establish things in this movie that become very important in the TV series and things like that. But like in the, what? Well, like the the fact that they're in the church. The reason they do that is because in the oh, movie, they can't fight on they holy can't ground. fight on holy ground. Yeah. No, yeah, that was established in the flashback with Sean Connery. Yeah, but it's it's in the movie. It's more like it's a rule. Like we just don't do it. You know, okay. no matter what. But in the we t- just respect each other's space. Yeah, and yeah, that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Whereas in, in like the TV it, series, it becomes more like the almost, headless horseman literally can't ride yeah, into the church cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> Got it, it. It's it's like a force of nature. They just you can't fight on holy ground. Got and, it. And you know, in the series too, they they expand and really get into the whole like, well, what is holy ground? You know, um, to the point where I think there's a part in the series, there's an immortal who becomes a priest so he can live in a church. And no one can kill him. And he, huh. he'll he literally, if he leaves, he'll take holy water with him so he can put a circle around him. Wow. And bless the ground and make it holy ground. That's very supernatural where yeah. they put the demons inside the salt yeah, yeah. and stuff. And, and okay. So the, the series establishes this like set of rules that they really do a good job in, in. I mean, the movie establishes a set of rules that in the series they do a good job of expanding and making it like make sense and sure. stuff like that. And I would recommend to people watch the series. The only problem is that there are enough irritating characters in the series, specifically one (laughs) young actor who shall remain nameless until Jason names him. (laughs) Yeah, I can't. His character is Richie. I can't. I can't even. The the only other thing I ever saw. You know who you are. he, He was on an episode of Friends. Oh, then I know who he yeah, is. Yeah, he was the young guy that Courtney Cox slept with. And like the- <gasps> yes, the one who thought that gunpoint at gunpoint was a place. He's like, people keep getting held up at gunpoint. And I'm like, why do people go there? <laughs> that was him. That was Richie. That's fantastic. Yeah. Beep, beep, Richie. <laughs> yeah. Beep, beep. Um, 
Yes, he's so irritating. Shout but, out to Adam Darby right there. You know, but Adrian Young Paul's Adam. great. And and they do stuff in the series like decide, you know what, this would be a lot better if Adrian Paul was single because then he could go out and sleep with lots of attractive women. He could have different attractive women every episode. There Let's kill go. his love interest. Yeah. <laughs> so they just arbitrarily murder his love interest. God. You know, just so uh, we'll spice it up a little bit, you know. Um, but uh, but back to the movie. Yes. Which um, is, we're at the bar where Brenda appears to have a drinking problem. Yes. Um, yeah. back, remember back in the 80s when they would just pour your drink until you said stop <laughs> before there were liquor, uh, you know, ounce requirements in, in a, any gla- given glass? Not that wine is a liquor. But well, again, still. again, we're we're in New York in the 80s. And this uh, is before a, Giuliani showed up to police yeah, the streets. Th- this, is right. a, this is another example of what we, we've talked about so many times on this show, which is this was New York in the 80s. It was it was every movie painted it as an absolute shithole. Yeah, there's graffiti everywhere. The Wild West feel yeah, of just ab- yeah. anything goes, um, except for this fight scene where Kurgan finally catches up with uh, McLeod in his white Reeboks and his trench coat. Classic look, by the way. And I... What's happening here? I was McLeod following Brenda, or was Brenda following McLeod? Because at Bre- one point he gets mad at her for following him. Bren- so. Brenda was following him, but he knew she was following him because he has a sixth sense yeah. as an immortal. Well, no, that's just because he's he's you know four hundred years old, and you know he's been followed a lot. He he does yeah. have a, he does have a sixth sense, and again in the movie it's sort of just there but they don't really explain it and in the series they get into it that immortals do sense each other when they're in within a certain range they but brenda's not an immortal no no he just knew she was following oh he's just skillful enough to detect her but he sensed the kurgan who the kurgan his fighting the the kurgan's fighting style is great it's just take the sword and beat the shit out of people with it oh yeah (laughs) and apparently the whole thing with chris lambert is that he was very dangerous with a sword and not in the sense that you would expect where he just got really good with it. Because apparently, uh, like I said, his major role was in Tarzan, uh, Grey Stoker. But in real life, Lambert is myopic and wears glasses whenever mm-hmm. he's not yeah. filming. Yeah. So when he has to take off his glasses, which, you know, contacts were an, a maybe back in the 80s because they only had hard lenses. I, th- yeah. I don't remember when uh, soft yeah, lenses came around. But... Uh, soft lenses were all i could wear when i was a kid back in the 90s but i think hard lenses were the best option if they even were i'd have to look it up but either way so he has to take off his glasses to sword fight and at one point uh michael ironside sliced open christopher lambert's hand that was in the sequel was it? That's how. Yeah, Michael Ironside was in. The okay, but either yeah, way, yeah. like it's it's dangerous for my. Uh, well, Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown almost killed Sean Connery. Really? Uh, in, in the when they when they shot the scene where Clan, where the Kurgan, where Heather's at the bottom yeah, and the and, the whole and, the, like building is collapsing. Oh yeah, it's awesome. The building's falling down and like, you know it's yeah. like made out of styrofoam. <laughs> yeah. Um, when he burst in. The first time they did that take, he burst in and he just swung his sword. <gasps> and I think like he hit the chandelier or something, but uh-huh. he almost decapitated Sean Connery. Oh, my God. And though. Sean Connery apparently, you know, got furious and stormed off set. And then Clay- he came back out later and Clancy Brown apologized and just basically said, I was really nervous and I just kind of went for Sorry it. Sorry that I almost murdered you, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, and Sean Bros? Connery went and you know had a bottle of scotch. Tell me, okay, <laughs> sorry, tell me that Chris Lambert doesn't look like Thomas Jane 
with that blonde hair. I, I don't know no, what it I, is. I think Tom Jane looks like Chris Lambert. Well, d- sorry. <laughs> I Chris looked- Lambert came first. <laughs> I don't care. Tom Jane is a better actor. Well, if you ever watch Christopher Lambert in a French movie. Oh, OK. It, then it's different. You have to remember he's acting. Yeah, this is not his yeah, native language. Yeah, he's acting, it. It, which is so weird that they could sign a contract with somebody. But it's not the first. They um, in Goldfinger. The the uh-huh. the you know the, one of the, the most iconic Bond films, they hired this guy named Gert Frobe to play Goldfinger, and they'd watch these these uh, uh, films that he did in uh, in Germany, and he was like, oh he was so good and menacing, and oh this guy's a perfect character, and they hired him, and he shows up on set, and only then when he's on set do they learn he doesn't speak English, right? So they have to dub every single one of his lines. If you watch Goldfinger, that's not the actor's voice. That's actually dubbed. Well, yet another shout out to our future episode, and I won't give away too much, but uh, same deal with Andre the Giant, who is French. So uh, when he became... Andre uh, Legion. Yeah, when he became Fezzik for uh, The Princess Bride, Rob Reiner came up with an incredibly unique way, especially considering it was back in the 80s, to help Andre the Giant learn his lines. And I'm not going to share that story with you until we actually do The Princess Bride. So my love, my life, Cece, we're waiting on you to reschedule. We know we had to cancel on you and we adore you. So please tell us when you can record. We're waiting for you. Yeah, and here here we have the classic scene where everybody loved Connor McCloud and then he comes back from the dead and everyone As Frankenstein's immediately- monster. <laughs> immediately want to kill him. Yeah. Which is interesting, too, because if they had killed him, it wouldn't have taken. And then they would have been really freaked out, you know, and probably at some point would have tried chopping his head off. Yeah, I was about to say, it's it's a very, especially back when Connor McLeod lived, taking off someone's head was pretty typical. That was pretty much the way to do it. The the castle, not in in this scene, uh, the castle where Connor McLeod eventually lives. With Heather. Yeah, is was actually known. I mean, that was a place where um, the skulls of people that the uh, owner had killed in combat were displayed. So that was actually a castle where people used to have. Does, it, does it have a name or? It does. I don't remember it. Um, Probably the Isle of something. <laughs> yeah, um, there's because they they filmed the the McLeod Village scenes. That was actually in like a tourist location, and they they there was a big uh, parking lot. And they had to cover the parking lot with pitch and straw and things like that. And there, were, there was a house that was in the shot, and they actually had to build a structure around the house oh. to make it look like an old building. Okay. Um, but the, the funny thing was that they hired, you know, they, they knew they needed a bunch of extras. So, you know, the idea was we'll get locals, we'll pay them, you know, five pounds a day. Um, and, <laughs> pounds. And, and, yeah, five pounds a day ten, with a 10-pound bonus if you brought your own horse. Um, wow. And the problem was that's that like they, the car bonus these days. <laughs> yeah. Well, well they would shoot and then they would break for lunch and all the Scottish extras would go to lunch, get piss ass drunk. Yeah. Then they would come back and film a fight sequence and they would beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. And they literally were in the fight sequences fighting because they make it look legit <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah oh i mean it's real when they're when they're throwing punches they're really throwing the punches oh yeah they don't play uh kevin mckitt has talked about that the actor from gary's anatomy he was on the queen latifah talk show i'm not sure if that's a thing anymore but 
he was talking about back when he was a young kid in Scotland trying to make it in a band. He was like, oh, yeah, I remember I worked at a distillery hauling barrels and or something to that effect. And they would pay us in whiskey. <laughs> so it, it, we're going down the Highlands, uh, the, the Highland Road in this little van and somebody's drunk driving us around. It's just Scottish people do not play when it comes to their drinking. It's interesting in that scene that we just saw where uh, Connor McLeod was in his, his, his sort his of collection. Bruce Wayne apartment. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's 400 and something years old. Yeah, he's, he's got he's, money. Yeah, you know, he's he, he, kind, well. he kind of is sort of a Bruce Wayne. Um, Especially with his little back, back cave yeah, museum that yeah. he's got going. It doesn't it, it doesn't have interesting uh, weapons, but well, no, it's, well it's got weapons. Yeah. It's got artifacts. It's got yeah. everything. So, he, yeah, he is kind of a Bruce Wayne. And here we are. We see Connor traded up. He got a much more attractive uh, girl. Yeah, this one is far less covered in love. Yeah, far, yeah, she's got few rewards. She um, comes with her own house and yeah, her own horse. Yeah. So, I mean... And everything's happy, and everything's going to work out just fine for him. Ladies, get you a man who will stick his long hair and head inside of a barrel of water and fling it all over you. It's yeah, very exciting. and then immediately take you out somewhere with an apple, a slice of meat, and have sex with you. Uh, yeah, that's the dream, right, ladies? Yeah. Come on, very, get on board. Very, very awkward sex that... It doesn't it, include it, entire nakedness. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, in a field, I guess that would. Okay. Well, the interesting thing was that if you if you pan the camera just to the left underneath uh, Connor McLeod's kilt, he's wearing blue jeans. Um, <laughs> yeah, he can't go anywhere without yeah. his Calvin. Yeah, it, it was 1980s and everyone had sex wearing blue jeans back then. Um, now, here he is the high the highlight of the whole movie. Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. The most Spanish name Chief for the most Scottish man on the entire Who is neither planet. Scottish nor Spanish in the movie. I know. He's Egyptian. It, I know. <laughs> yeah. I wrote that down. I was like, literally, because with the whole Christopher Lambert not having an accent, and I, and I understand the logistics as to why, whatever. But seriously, this Scottish Highlander guy meets... Uh, another man who's supposedly Egyptian who has the most Scottish accent mm-hmm. in the entire world. Well, and he's like, he's... I thought you were from Spain. No, actually, I'm Egyptian. <laughs> I told like, you, I'm Egyptian. <laughs> in the, they, there's a little backstory that they explain oh, some of that in, 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 I think it's in one of the books where, because uh, Ramirez is incredibly old. He was born in like, I think, 800 BC. Is he a dead man? Yeah. He okay. is. Yeah. He's not as old as the Kurgan. The Kurgan was like, I think the Kurgan was born in like 2000 BC. I mean, it was like something absurd. Got the, it. The Kurgan, like he fought with Attila the Hun. Oh. He, yeah. He, he's been murdered. He saw Hammurabi come across the Alps with the. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hannibal. Hannibal. Sorry. Hammurabi was after I an eye. My bad. I losers. love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> Um, but it's if interesting. If you've never seen an elephant ski, then you've never been on acid. <laughs> the, uh, in the scene, though, where he's in the, the room where, with all of his uh, his collection, you actually see very briefly uh, Ramirez's cloak and hat are in that room. I did not notice that. And Well, in the way that it's cut together, no one notices because it comes up like you see it before you see Ramirez. So it's not it's oh, not so significant it, to you. Yeah, they don't yeah. live together. Okay. Yeah, but it sort of gives it away if you if it So if, this movie had the narcissism to assume that you were going to rewatch it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the whole movie, you gotta remember Russell McKay, he, he was a music video director. Um, I mean, and he that was, makes so much sense with yeah. Queen being part. Oh, oh and I've, yeah. got, I've got. Oh, I've got you can't not talk about Queen. I've got to shoot down Josh movie. a little bit because we we watched this. Uh, we watched the beginning, and I was like, wow. 
oh, Freddie Mercury, because I heard his voice at the very beginning of the movie. And Josh was like, oh, no, baby, that's not Freddie Mercury. That's a, that's like a hair band that's trying to sound like Queen. And no, I was like, it's totally and, well, fucking Well, I've been Queen. with Josh. Well, our our five-year anniversary is coming up in about a month. So now I just know not to trust him. I don't know why I was taking his word for it, I guess, because of the time we've been together. But I was like, oh, thanks, thanks, baby. I would have felt stupid saying that that was Queen on the podcast when it wasn't. Then I did my research mm-hmm. and took my multicolored notes like I always do because I'm such a nerd. And then I discovered it really is Queen. Oh, it's absolutely So I queen. cannot wait. I haven't talked to him yet uh, because I haven't been home yet today, listeners. I cannot wait to go home and tease the hell out of Josh for this. Well, and so in, suck in, it, Josh. In fact, <laughs> Queen was only supposed to do one song, but they enjoyed the movie so much that, and, and like, uh, I think like Brian May, he, different members of the band sort of had scenes in the movie they liked Yes. And I think like... Uh, they who, all, Each of yeah. them did a different song. Yeah, like yes. who, who Wants to Live Forever. I think that was Brian May. Um, and the soundtrack is uh, awesome. Yes. So Princess of the Universe, uh, Who Wants to Live Forever. Uh, but Queen never actually released a soundtrack, especially because this movie came out at a different time in America than it did in Europe. Yeah. So uh, on their album, uh, A Kind of Magic, which... They yeah. they say, yeah. oh, it's a kind of magic. Well, it's so weird because a kind of magic is not labeled as the soundtrack to Highlander. No, there was, that's what I'm saying. There was but, never a technical soundtrack yeah, to Highlander. But it it has clips from the movie, literally audio. No, it does. Yeah, it, it's like yeah, you, you hear the, the Kurgan in the song. You do. Uh, 1986 <laughs> album, A Kind of Magic, features several songs from the film. Yeah, but great with, album. Uh, with the album and... Uh, the songs that they did for the actual movie, both, they rearranged how some of the songs worked out. Yeah. So yeah. that way it could be considered, you know, two different projects. Because, like I said, that, uh, you know, the movie was released in America in a different time than it was in Europe. So there you go. Yeah. But uh, this this great scene, because this is w- the part where I become very literal along with your son, David. Uh, I'm like, okay, so he's swimming in the water. He can't drown. He's immortal uh, because Sean Connery has him in a boat. And he's like, I cannot swim. My friend, Dr. Richard Kimball will not come to save me. <laughs> and then Sean Connery knocks him over and shows him. Oh, yes, you're immortal. That's great. Like, wonderful. And it's, it, yeah, he can breathe underwater. Yeah. And, and that that's sort of that's the the sort Swamp of thing. huge inc- inconsistency in the movie that they had to deal with in the series, which is that, OK, you by being well, by being immortal, does that mean you die and then you come back? Because in that case, you would drown and yes, then you would you, come back. You would suffer that fate. Yeah, and, and it's funny because the rules seem kind of inconsistent as they yeah, are well, wont to yeah, be with an eighties movie. Uh, not just with the drowning, but with the fact that you know uh, McLeod lives through a duel in England at some point where he's upset a lord's wife, and so he's challenged to a duel to the death. And he just lets himself get stabbed over and over. And it's like it yeah. it's like poking him with a toothpick. He barely notices. But then when McLeod gets stabbed with just a pocket knife by Brenda later, he's like, oh, and it's yeah. this huge dramatic thing. Whereas during well, the duel, play, he was cleaning up for the girl. I, no, no, no. Yeah, he, it, he's making it more dramatic for her. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Like, oh, you injured me. You're so strong. I bet yeah. you could beat me in an arm wrestling well, contest. You know, in, in the series, <laughs> they have the exact same scene in the series. And, and I think deliberately because of that, they changed it 
because uh, Duncan McLeod does the exact same thing with with his love interest, but he shoots himself in the chest. Oh God! Um, to you know, to to show her, you know, I'm immortal. I would always think it would be smarter just to like say, okay, uh, I'm immortal. <laughs> Let me preface what I'm about to do. You know, um, explain it. You know, um, you're going to see this is going to look a little weird. That's way less dramatic, though. No. It's, no, you lose the drama. It's just like in Pirates of the Caribbean where Elizabeth stabs Barbosa in the chest with a mixture of a butter knife and a steak knife. You can't really tell in that movie. But she stabs Barbosa in the chest. And then he just sort of pulls the knife out of his chest. And he's like, I'm curious. What exactly were you planning on doing after killing me? <laughs> See, and, and this scene right here, this is one of the things that I think set off a lot of people wondering about the origin story. Because Ramirez tells Connor point blank, um, when there's only a few of us left, we'll feel an irresistible pull called the gathering yes. to come together and fight. And, and there, that never happened. The gathering never happened. It was Well, yeah. They all end up in New York. All the ones that when there's just a few of them left. Oh, it's that loose. Okay. They They can all all just be in New York. Yeah. They they all show up and that's when they all, you know, because what's his name? Uh, um, I can't remember. There's, there was one immortal who was killed before the movie. Oh, um, uh, yes. Hold on. The Polish, the Polish guy, the guy that Connor killed. And then there's Castigar. Castigar gets killed. Who gets killed by Kurgan. They filmed a scene with, uh, did they film it? I think they filmed. There was a film with there was a scene with a Japanese immortal, who the Kurgan finds him and like the Japanese guy fights him, but then basically just says "fuck it, I don't want to." I'm so tired of being alive. Shame on my life. I'm I'm totally okay with being <laughs> killed. Well, okay, and that's my question. You said that the Kurgan is so much older than even uh, Spanish, Egyptian, yeah. Scottish Sean oh, yeah, Connery. Yeah. So, my question there. Is if the Kurgan is already so much stronger and the whole point is killing other Highlander slash immortals that you absorb their power, why wasn't it so much easier for Kurgan to just kill Connor at well, the end of the movie? I because I th- he's way like if he's older than Sean Connery, then he's definitely older than Connor. Like that Yeah, but it's not a question of how many people you've killed because the Kurgan has killed a lot of just But I thought you absorbed people. their power when you killed them. Not normal people. He's but killed, he's all, I'm only seeing him killing other. He's absorbing the castigears. Yeah, yeah. He, he's absorbing a lot. He kills well, at least two other uh, immortals before he faces off with Connor, and then he's like thousands of years older than Connor. Yeah. So how do I don't I don't well, understand. Well, the 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 way it was originally supposed to end was whenever Connor chopped off the Kurgan's head. Spoiler it, alert! Yeah, well, in case yeah, you yeah. haven't watched this movie um, in the last. 30 years. It, it actually didn't kill him. He was so powerful that when he chopped his head off, it w- there was supposed to be this whole sequence where the the lightning bolts and all that stuff that normally happen yeah. would happen, but then it would sort of coalesce into some sort of like dragon with the Kurgan's armored helmet on it. Oh. But they couldn't afford it. So well, they wasted all their money on all the other practical effects. And yeah, special well, effects. I mean, they had to do something I mean, like the the. I'm sequence, not running a seventy year old well, man. The, the, <laughs> Sorry. The scene here, uh, or the scene coming up, where you see the uh, the stag. Um, no, we just saw, we the, just stag saw the stag, and they've yeah. outrun him. So what what was the deal with the stag too? Because it was just like feel the stag, Connor. Well, like, that that was that's something that sort of gets it. it it kind of gets brushed over, but it, it sort of explains why he's 
able to beat the Kurgan is Ramirez shows him like you're, you're immortal, but if you, if you listen, if you feel it, you can feel all of this like life energy around you. Oh, okay. And he can feel the stag's so heart beating. <laughs> well, it, it's something like that, you know, and it, it's magic. That's why Highlander 2 it's sucks. It's kind of magic. Because Highlander 2 makes it science. It's just like with Star Wars and the midichlorians and all that stuff. It ruins oh, it. Oh, God, yeah. But the when they filmed the sequence with the stag, the problem that they didn't realize they were going to run into was at this time, at that time of year, stags don't have horns. No, yeah, they are. So they glued horns to to oh, a stag. Oh god, you're not supposed to do that, no, people. They, they it, it was done under veterinary supervision. Okay. Um they had a, the vet Are you lying to me to no, make no, me feel No, better? no, 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 that no the vet tranquilized the stag. They they supervised it, they shot it, then then they, you know, I think the horns just fell off. Like um, they would normally yeah. do anyway. Um, um but, but with glue, that's yeah. not really incorporated. <clears throat> but yeah, so it's the, you know, the whole, like, how does it work sort of thing. This is definitely one of those movies where... Eh. It's more about the mystical than it is about the science. Yeah. That, and that totally makes sense. I mean, look, if you watch The Lost Boys, if you watch Iron Eagle or The Goonies, and you really think about it, okay. It falls apart. It falls apart. It, you know, you go, so just enjoy logic, it. Logic goes through these movies like a knife through butter. Yeah. So you just, you have to enjoy it for what it is. Exactly. Especially when it comes to the, uh, the sword fighting slash lightsaber duels, which Jason, you will love this practical effects. Oh, fact. I know how they did it. Oh, then tell yeah. us. They, in order to get the sparks flying between swords. They because were, CGI was not a thing back in 1986. Right. Listeners. right. And because actors' lives were not as valuable. No, like in It, when they told the kids, hey, there's a bunch of rusty shit down in this sewer. Don't touch anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> make sure you don't get cut on That was the okay? safety waiver. Yeah. So, uh, sorry to interrupt. How did they make these swords light up? Well, Jason? what they would do is, is that you take a car battery and you hook one lead to one sword and the other lead to, to a different sword. Riggs's uh, torture device. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, that's a different movie. Yeah. Wolverines. And sorry. so when the swords touch, as anybody knows, if you've ever had jumper cables and you rub jumper cables together, when they're plugged into the battery, you get these sparks. And so what would happen is it would complete the circuit and you would get these sparks coming off the swords. <gasps> the problem is... Science. That it would also make the swords incredibly hot. Yes. Because they're <laughs> what, listeners? Metal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's um, Neil deGrasse Tyson when you need him? No, it, 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 you know, but it was a cool solution to a problem. And y you will notice that they don't do it terribly often. It's really in that last scene when that you have the two swords slowly We're on the silver, dragged. silver cup studios. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and that it's cool. It's worth it. You know, which, uh, the silver cup studios, that was apparently the final duel between the Kurgan and Connor was supposed to happen on the statue of Liberty. Very King Kong style, <laughs> except, you know. Well, there was no way in God's green earth that they were going to get permission to shoot on the Statue of Liberty. No, no, no. The reason why they didn't do it is because another movie had just done something similar. It didn't really oh. have anything to do with permissions. Oh. It was it was uh, it was the fact that, oh, well, this movie already did it. So never mind. And they they changed their minds about it. So uh, McKay, was driving from Queens to New York. Or the other way around. I can't remember where Silver Cup Studios is. But he was driving and he saw Silver Cup Studios. And he's like, oh, there's a good place for the duel. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's duel it. Yeah. And, ah. and, and, and it's cool because, you know, the sign is in the movie, you know, because it was the Silver Cup Bakery originally. That was the actual building. 
Oh, yeah, um, I didn't know that. And it had gone out of business years ago, and and so you do you see the silver cup sign, and that's actually a real sign um, for when it's on uh, location. Got it. Um, but um, we're at the point now in the movie where everything is laid out. Yeah, we we've laid down all of our plot points that will yeah. eventually come yeah. full circle or won't until yeah. the sequels. Yeah. But either way, R- Ramirez is explaining to Connor that the main bad guy is this dude named the Kurgan. He's a real who's, asshole. Who's the one that killed Connor in his first battle yes. ever? Yeah. So yeah, and he was gonna take his head, but then he got tackled by Scotsman. Yeah, and that, stuff happened. That. that that was that. Hey, you have know. you ever played rugby? <laughs> like, no, I know. I mean, it is interesting. You know, like, what does it take to stop a, you know, 4,000-year-old homicidal Superman, apparently two Scottish guys getting pissed off and tackling him? Tackling him into a Coke truck. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's the thing. Um, so now that Ramirez has trained Connor. Yes, something and, has and, to go terribly wrong. Yeah, well, he can die now. Uh, it's You know, it's like he's- Yeah, he he's, served his purpose. They can only afford to have him in there for you seven know, days. For seven days, for a mil- one million dollars. And there was no way that they were going to be able to fly him to New York. They couldn't afford that. They couldn't afford to pay him for some shots in New York. So they've got to wrap everything up with Sean Connery in Scotland. Apparently, no. The only thing mm-hmm. that he did overseas was the voiceover. Okay, well, uh, I could see that when he was shooting in another country. So he did the voiceover when he was doing all the, um, remember who you are and like all that whatever he said and like don't lose your head and all that stuff (laughs) which was great but uh it that it had this echoey metallic-y thing to it because of wherever he was at the time but they but they kept it yeah but i can tell you where he was oh tell me he was uh the opening crawl the opening sequence when he reads the stuff that you see on the title card it has that very echoey sound yeah the echo sorry it was he was recording it in a bathroom (laughs) And they played it for the producers. The producers were overseas and they played it for the producers, but they were on the phone. So they couldn't tell that it was that quality. That it was on his end. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, this sounds great. Yeah. Keep it perfect. Done. You know, and then they they get it and it's like, oh, shit. Oh, this is still in there. Well, we're stuck with it. So let's do it. You know, Um, and, you know, nobody had a copy of Adobe Audition, you know, throw some de-echo on there um nobody could do the bumpers that we do these days exactly no the um so we've gotten to the point where oh and i'm sorry i'm sorry go go ahead go ahead kurgan is like whispering and like biting on connery's ear right before he kills him i just couldn't help but make a note about that i was like god his mouth is like all over sean connery's ear see now i think that sean connery if ramirez wanted to live he could take a dive off that tower. Yeah, he easily could have. Yeah, he easily could. I think... It's I, a very Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah. moment where he's like, I hope you're paying attention right now, except yeah. here's the problem with that theory. Yeah, Connor's, Connor's nowhere nearby. Yeah, I, I think basically Ramirez had been alive for, you know, a couple thousand years. He was tired of being alive. He trained Connor, told him about the Kurgan, because even says to, you know, when, when the Kurgan breaks in and, you know, and says, Ramirez. Yeah. Where is the Highlander? Yeah. He's like, you're too late. I've prepared him for you. Yeah. Um, you waste your time. And then, well, because I mean, know. Ramirez could have been focused. <laughs> I just love it. And then the Kurgan just takes a dive straight off the tower. Yeah. Like he can't have his little moment of uh, of joy. Nope. And then he's got a oh, as we find out later in the movie, he's hello, got a, pretty. Ugh. 
He he enjoys saying that before raping yeah, women. Yeah. That's like his signature move. Oh, you've got a much bigger wheelie than Connor does. <laughs> oh, Mr. Drysdale. <laughs> but, and then back to New York with no, Russell but, Nash. But Kurgan, oh my God, he's just, he's the, so slurpy the, with the, his tongue. I, I can't, ugh. There's a whole backstory with uh, Connor as Russell Nash. There's a whole backstory with his assistant because in the movie... Yes, we haven't even touched on that with yeah. Rachel. Yes. Yeah, with Rachel, where there was this, the 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 idea was that he met Rachel when she was a little girl and like saved her. Yeah, and, he does that in the movie. And well, but then the relationship goes from him being like her father to him being like her older brother to him being her lover and then basically mm. being married. And then she's like the only woman who has accepted the fact that she's going to get old, but he isn't. And so she just steps into the background and takes on this mother role for him. Weird. And it's like, she's, you know, it was, it's an interesting idea because no woman in his life has ever been able to accept the fact that you're going to get old and die. I'm not. Yeah. But she's like, okay, that's how it is. That's how, that's our dynamic. That's our version of normal. And because at first she strikes you as this very Alfred and Bruce Wayne relationship where she's the Alfred because she's visibly older than he is. But then you come to find that he saved her in what, World War One or two? Uh, It was World War Two. Okay. Yeah. Well, there was a German shooting at someone, so I I couldn't tell which World War it was. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was World War. Yeah, because she's not old enough to have been. Uh, Oh, yeah. She's living in the 80s. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, And she's an old lady in the 80s. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, math. Who knew? But anyway, yeah. So he saves her own. We're at this point now. But they have a very Brad Pitt, Kirsten Dunst relationship going on from uh, Interview with a Vampire. Yeah. Because not that he immortalizes her, but still, they just have a very strange dynamic where their ages just don't matter. Right. Uh, they they seem to evolve properly according to what you just said, but you don't get all of that backstory in this. All no. you see is uh, she's his assistant initially when she's visibly much older than he is. But then you flash back to World War II where he, she's a little girl. Her entire family was slaughtered by Nazis. And then he picks her up to rescue her. Gets supposedly killed by the Gestapo and yeah. then turns around and shuts the Gestapo down. Yeah. And it and it, it's it's interesting because he meets her and in the first moment that he meets her, she finds out he's immortal. So that's that's another thing about the dynamic. Yeah, they that's couldn't really hide that. Yeah, there was no like, well, I saw you get shot. I well, know you died. He kind of does, though, in a little kid way because he gives her some suspension of disbelief because uh, he picks her up and runs away <laughs> with her. A Nazi shoots him fatally. And then she's like, oh, you're not dead. And he goes, it's a kind of magic wink. Yeah. And, you know, that's just their dynamic because even when he goes off to battle Kurgan for the final time, She's like, oh, this is the last time I'm ever going to see Mr. Nash, isn't it? And he's like, yeah, it's a kind of magic. Yeah. And then that that was the one moment where I really the two moments that I connected. I was like, oh, that's kind of sweet. Like, yeah. And I, I, I do love the fact that he doesn't even hesitate. He just kills the guy. You know, oh, yeah. You know, he, he's, you know, whatever, Jack, you're the master race. <laughs> I'm all right with being a called with being called a Nazi yeah. thing before you talk shit. <laughs> but yeah, it just. I don't know. I love his dynamic with Rachel. I think oh, yeah. it's really sweet. You see, and th- that's the thing about the movie that, again, even in a bad 80s movie, there's still all this subtext. And, and you know, and the movie itself was actually based on, um, uh, I don't remember who it was. Um, 
the writer, um, I'm drawing a blank. It was actually his master's thesis. He, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have that. Yeah, I have and, that. and he sold it for, according to the internet, I've seen some places on the internet where they say he got 200000 I've seen some people say he got half a million. I don't have a clue. I don't have the actual yeah. amount, but um, it was a college kid's senior thesis. Gregory Whedon or Wyden, 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 Wyden was attending UCLA as a film student in 1982 when he was asked to write a feature-length screenplay as his final project in order to pass a theater class. So recalling, recalling a trip he took to a London armory, Wyden wrote uh, the script about an, an immortal named McLeod who could yeah. only die via beheading. Another immortal, the sadistic Kurgan, wanted McLeod's head in order to reclaim the myst- or to claim the mysterious prize promised to the last of their kind. With encouragement from his instructor, Wyden sent the script to six agents, one of whom got it sold. Yeah. So I don't know what they sold it for, but uh, yeah. Wyden's senior well thesis made yeah. it done. Well so thank done. you, Mental Floss, for all of these fun facts. Yeah, I, that that was one of the things they they, they told us in screenwriting class uh, in film school. You know, and it was like the, the the Highlander script for for student screenwriters is like the gold. You know, oh, be- yeah. Because it's like, my God, he wrote a script. That could happen to that me. That could happen to me. I could send it to an agent. Somebody will pay me $200,000. And no, it's not going to happen to you. And listeners, <laughs> that being said, we might be working on bigger and better projects all the time. So you never know with hindsight is horrifying. Yes. Stay tuned. That's all we can tell you for right now. I do love this little sort of... Uh, Roger Moore-esque James Bond scene here. Yes, he, yes. He's, he's walking through Rachel's house and he just finds the tape recorder and he, you know, Right away, yeah, he too. Just, he knows exactly where her gun is, you know? He knows where Brenda's tape recorder is, where the gun is. It's it's like how he knew she was following him. He just yeah. has a sixth sense about these and, things. And, you know, that's sort of the thing, like, you know, that, again, going back to the TV series. She can't be the first person who's tried to do this to him right. in 400 plus years or right. however long he's been alive. So the the fun thing in the TV series is that Duncan is Connor's cousin and okay. he's like 100 years younger than Connor. And so in the first episode, which is the only episode in the series where uh, Christopher Lambert is in it. Okay. Uh, he it's it's fun because you know Duncan McLeod is you know like three hundred years old and Connor just sort of treats him like a little kid because sure. you're a hundred years younger than me, dude. <laughs> you know, like I'm older than you. Well, think of all the age arguments yeah. we've had in this studio yeah, exactly. as of late, and our gaps aren't even and that significant. Do you know? Uh oh. Who played the bad guy in the first episode <laughs> of um of Highlander the TV series? Of course not. I'm not seeing okay. it. Okay. It, they 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 really wanted to pick someone who was a lot like the Kurgan. Okay. And so they got a very big dude who was an actor. He was oh, a no. TV actor. Oh, no. Uh, he was bald. But uh, it, it, when when he was introduced to most TV audiences, he was bald. And this, he actually had a full head of hair and a beard. Um, primarily played a comedic role in a very popular uh, NBC sitcom in the 80s. I need one more hint. Don't don't tell me outright. Okay. Oh, I'm so close though. He he wore a uniform in the TV series, and someone made a puppet of him in the TV series. Oh my god! And Franklin? No, no. Um, uh, it's a show we've done. It's a TV series that we have done, and we've talked about this actor. Uh, Harry Anderson. No, no. Um. <laughs> Who wouldn't make a puppet of Harry Anderson? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we need someone like the Kurgan. Get Harry Anderson. <laughs> but you're close. 
I'm close with You're Harry Anderson. Extremely close. So so Night Court. Who else in Oh, oh, um the Bull. lawyer guy. <laughs> now no. now now I'm just no. confused. Bull. Bull Shannon. Oh. Yeah, it was Richard Mall played the I would not uh, the have thought of Bull. Guy. I was thinking yep. about uh what's his face, the one who's always jumping the ladies. Yeah, no, no, not John Lyricat. That no, one. No. <laughs> That's who I was no, thinking. In, oh, in Highlander the TV series, the the first episode you get Connor McLeod and Richard Mall as the bad oh, guy. Oh my god. And it's it's pretty craptacular. That's uh, it's it's that's it's worth a watch. Yeah, it's 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 worth a watch. Um, you know, Richard Mall does the best with what he's given, but um, I love it. You know, but no, the um uh the the scene Oh, Tom Jane oh. shot right there. <laughs> I'm serious. I see Tom Jane every uh, yeah. time Chris Lambert turns around. I'm sorry. You're going to shoot me with the 45? <laughs> <laughs> I'm immortal. I'm not looking for a killer. I'm looking for a sword and, you know, maybe some bigger earrings. I'm looking for a guy. Because these like earrings you. aren't nearly big enough. No, I they need don't, bigger earrings, damn you. They don't quite reach my shoulder I know, pads. I they're know. So, they're so close to her shoulder pads. <laughs> they are. I couldn't even imagine having things dangling like that off the side of my head. It would drive me nuts. It hurts. If you can imagine people who do the uh, the gauges these days, it's oh, not terrible. No, 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 no. It's not terribly dissimilar in the sense that, like, the more a- the more added weight to an earring, the more it's going to stretch out your earlobe. That's yeah. that's yeah. science. That's, yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson that. will back me up on that yeah. one. <laughs> uh, but seriously, that's why big earrings had to sort of scale back because or they had to be yeah, they made were out injuring of, people. Yeah. Or, you know, a woman could turn around fast enough. She'd slap you with her big sprayed hair and her earring yeah. and then you die. <laughs> yeah. So that was why the 80s really ended listeners. It really had nothing to do with time so much as, you know, fatal fashion. Yeah. Now, of course, we have this conflict arising with Connor where he he's having feelings for this woman, but he's remembering the fact that he didn't take Ramirez's advice the mm-hmm. first time and just leave her, you know, because and, and it is kind of selfish on his part because, you know, she's going to grow old and watch him stay the same age. And that, you know, imagine being in a relationship where you just keep getting older and the person you're with stays, you know, about 30. Well, what's really sad about that is that it reminded me of Twilight because that... That is sad. No, (laughs) no, because here's the thing is that uh, Meg from our Hercules episode handed me the first book of that series to read when we were in college before the movies existed, listeners. And she said, hey, and she's one of the few people who can hand me something and say, hey, watch this and or read this, and I'll actually do it. She has that kind of uh, influence over my existence. So she handed me the first Twilight. She was like, it's about this teenage uh, vampire, and he falls in love with another teenager. And I was like, this sounds horrendous. Skip to the end. (laughs) No, but that's the whole premise (laughs) in that, is that, you know, the vampire boy doesn't want to turn the the normal teenage girl into a, a vampire because selfish bastard no he, he's trying to be selfless and she's like but watch me grow old and you you won't find me attractive anymore and he's just like no i'll still love you because you're you yeah but that's gross when i'm 70 yeah just a tad yeah. so there were discrepancies <laughs> i like older women or indiscrepancies. I'm, I'm waiting until you're 50 i i, want, I have demi moore syndrome yeah. but in reverse <laughs> Oh, so that's every guy yeah. ever. They, yeah, all guys like younger does. ladies. So never mind. That's not even a syndrome with you guys. No, we like older ladies. There's two. There's two men. There's there's the the Epstein's. And I was about the, to and, say. And, the, and then the rest of us. There's definitely y'all. Y'all have your preferences in both directions. This movie has possibly 
the the makeup people who do a good job throughout the entire movie who make Heather look like possi- Carol Kane. <laughs> yeah, they do possibly the worst job ever aging an actress. Right, Lillian. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's she looks. It's so obviously a young woman with old lady makeup. No, it is. It's, it's literally it's young Carol Kane. That's, yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. And, you know, in truth, I mean, Connor probably wasn't being that selfish. Well, and to be fair, she probably her, died at 40. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Her <laughs> so life expectancy was probably just a few more years. Back down, in the 14, yeah. no, it, better better yet, she's probably only like five years older than yeah, he yeah. is, to be perfectly fair. Yeah. Because this is the four, 1500s, we said. So, yeah. Uh, he's, no, 1400s. 1400s? Yeah, 1400s. Okay. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, oh, yeah, 15th century. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, my bad. So, uh, anyway, yeah, Connor's like maybe... Because he was 21 or so when he died, because he, he was in his he was, first yeah, battle yeah, ever. Yeah, he was He young. was 20 or 21. Yeah. So, yeah, she's maybe 30, which makes us 31-year-olds look yeah. supremely horrible. Yeah. So, you know. Um, and the fact that she hasn't died of a fever or dysentery yeah. by now by trying to cross a river. <laughs> well, or the fact that, you know, he. I've always thought that if if you were in a relationship with an immortal your life expectancy would drop because of the fact that because they are all their enemies are coming after you. Yeah. Well, and also too, they're going to be a little less risk averse than the average spouse. So the chances of them exposing you to like, you know, Oh, is that chicken undercooked? Hell, what do I care? (laughs) Well, that was already a thing back then. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like salmonella, it wasn't even a thing back then. So yeah, she was going to die. She, she died at the ripe old age of 30, which bringing up the Flintstones from 1994, your favorite movie ever. Uh, uh, not John Candy. God, uh, John Goodman. John Goodman. Thank you. The other John. He was eating this huge brontosaurus uh, leg, and uh, Rick Moranis is like, you know, you can't eat like that forever. And he's like, Oh yeah, whatever. My dad ate red meat every single day of his life. He died at the ripe old age of thirty-eight. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's there's a different perspective. There you know? is. Um, I, I know I was, I was talking to my, my writing buddy about if we were going to do a, a was Highl- his name Adam? Yes. His name is Adam. Oh my God. About doing a sequel to Highlander. This was years ago. And, and the idea would be what would happen if you did Highlander and it was in the future when people had also just sort of figured out immortality. And so it wasn't nearly as big a deal that you and were like, immortal. yeah, so <laughs> yeah. And, and so you've got, oh, and here we go. This if is, you take our heads off, we die too. Yeah. Here is uh here's cast gear. Yep, Ooh. we see Castagir for the first time. Yeah, and and very quickly, uh, Castagir is here. Yeah, and, he literally has two scenes, yeah. and he's he's toast. Yeah, it's basically establishing, you know, that the the big Highlander convention is is happening. It's a very Han Solo Lando Calrissian moment because they meet on a bridge in New York, and yeah. they look like they're going to draw on each other, and it's all serious. But then Castagir has a flask. Yeah. Yay, because <laughs> I guess because I guess when you're an immortal, I mean, does I, liquor affect you? When that's you're an that's a question. Uh, there was a scene where Castagir and Connor went out and they got shit faced <laughs> and they actually were drinking with one of the cops. They like ran like it. They ran into like one of the detectives and, and they basically hang out and, and just drink and get shit faced with this detective. That's a Saturday night um, for me, guys. But it was cut. And the sad thing is that. Unlike a lot of other movies where, you know, you can have the 50th anniversary release and you have all the deleted scenes and everything. Most of the deleted scenes from this movie were actually destroyed in a fire. (gasps) 
And so they so they, they weren't immortal. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or their heads uh, were uh, removed. Yeah, well, fire. see exactly. If you burn them, <laughs> you know. Well, you know, if an immortal is standing in a place where a nuclear explosion happens and they're vaporized, does that count as having your head chopped off? That depends, because then we get into a whole Star Trekian uh, level of. Do you really? I love, I love this scene where he's where he's doing the Englishman's duel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's drunk off his ass. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, maybe that's why he didn't feel it. Some and his wig is yeah, like. So this pre- actually this this oh oh you got me. Uh, well, this this vaguely reminds me of the Princess Bride, and yeah. uh, where uh, Count Rugen is just stabbing Inigo Montoya over and over, and it's just like a knife through butter. Dramatic music, stab. You Dramatic mi- music, stab. <laughs> you and missed him, Mister Bassett. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the gayest duel ever because the the nobleman's assistant keeps kissing him on the hand and on the mouth. Yeah. Well, he's a French, uh, you know, he's a French lackey to some, you know, douchey. No, French but nobleman. not like cheek cheek. Oh, kiss, I know. Kiss. I know. Like, ma- like, mm, hey, <laughs> like kissing him full on on the mouth. It's it's kind of weird. <laughs> I apologize for calling your wife a bloated warthog, and I bid you good day. People call me that on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, I just- I don't now, get sir, up in, a tizzy in the back about of the it. head. Shoot him. <laughs> shoot him. And then he shoots the guy. He sh- no, he shoots his assistant. Yeah, he shoots suge- his assistant. Yeah, yeah, so he loses to Highlander. Yeah. And then shoots his assistant for daring to suggest an actual suggestion that might kill the Highlander. Yeah, shoots him in the back while he's running away. You That's know? a coward's way out right there. Actually, shoots him in the ass, but, you know, he's. Maybe die, he enjoyed it know? based on the activity we saw previous to this. Yeah, yeah, that might be. Uh, and we're getting closer to the uh, to the church scene. Church um, scene, church scene. And, and scene you can right see in, in this in this shot here, you can tell the Russell uh, Mulcahy music video influence because oh, it's you, shot on a super it's a nice wide day for a white wedding. Yeah, it, it's, we got we got this uh, this uh, uh, super wide lens distorting everything but the curtain. It's oh, yeah. totally not motivated by anything. There's no, no. It, it serves the story in no way at all. Zero. It's it is literally the Mr. Joshua and Riggs scene yeah, of this it's, movie. It's it's they mm-hmm. said, hey, let's do this one on this lens. Okay, let's just try it. <laughs> yeah, let's just do that. You know, in the '80s, that was considered experimentation. Well, it's again, if it was like something weird was going on with the Kurgan and there was like magic stuff happening, but it's not. He's just terrorizing everybody well what's really funny to me so like answer this question for me jason because you seem to have so much more knowledge about the the highlander universe than i do um so the kurgan is staying at this flea bag motel whereas highlander has got a bruce wayne level existence so kurgan's been alive for thousands of years more what the hell is his financial plan what's going on with this guy versus why does why does uh, mr nash have a better yeah it's an interesting question because the Kurgan presumably had time to amass a huge fortune. Uh, I mean, 401ks <laughs> came along a while back, Kurgan. Get well, on it. And I think that probably it's one of those things that in no way, shape, or form uh, supports the story or influences the story. It's just a decision that they made to show him as being... The bad know, guy. The bad guy, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you could probably say that the Kurgan was so focused on just going out raping and killing that he literally didn't he care. He never really amassed yeah. uh, physical and, wealth. Yeah. And also there's the, the other side of the argument is that 
Well, he's probably lived in palaces. He's lived in mansions. He's lived in. It's like, and it doesn't him, the, matter. Yeah, it's like, uh, who gives a shit about that? It's time for the gathering. The it's trappings time, it's don't time, matter. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I need some place I can lay low and hunt down all these other immortals and get the prize. Especially if he's not and super obvious. It. Yeah, while he doesn't, and if he's dressed like although a he does, while he does go out of his way to be as obvious as possible. Especially, <laughs> okay, that's what really cracks me out because right now we're in the cast of gear scene, so let's pay that the respect that it's due this random what is he a navy seal who is this guy with i think this... he's, a, he's a marine he's a marine okay yeah. he's uh he's got a semi-automatic weapon or he's got the trappings of a marine he okay. might just he might just be a nut job who who really likes the marines there you go <laughs> but he lights up the kurgan yeah with so many bullets would kill any other man if he had actually just shot across the neck a couple of times Luke Kurgan would not I, have been an issue. I, I don't know. I, I mean, would it have taken the head clean off? You got to wonder. That's the question, you know. You got to wonder. I mean, either way, he fails and gets the crap killed out of him. No, uh, he doesn't. Well, he, well what's really yeah, funny is that true. Castigan yeah. gets killed. Yeah. An immortal gets killed, but a regular. <laughs> but he gets a sword stuck through him all the way, though. No, that's what, okay. Yeah. So sh- uh, that hurts so bad. Shout out to my dear. Oh, that hurts so bad. Shout out to one of my dearest friends, Amanda, who is a chiropractor and a genius. Uh, seeing Josh and I play this game at home where when somebody gets injured in any capacity, we're like, oh, Amanda could fix that. And in this instance, I was like, oh, a spot, a, a, just a long sword went through all of your guts and your spinal column. Yeah. Amanda probably couldn't fix yeah, that. Let, 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 let's catalog the things that are now destroyed in him. Uh, his, his stomach. Kid, at least his, one of his kidneys. At least one of his kidneys. His probably liver. his liver, his <laughs> spine. Um, just his spine alone is enough. I mean, and like, I do like the Castigar was polite enough to wait until he was finished with that guy before you know, uh, letting, releasing. yeah, yeah, unleashing his power. Yeah, it, it's very Ghostbusters. It, you know, the box gets released, but oh, wait until it's the most dramatic time. Th- this oh, is sort of a Ghostbusters scene. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it's it all the lights like a, in yeah, New York. It looks yeah. like a Ghostbusters scene. Meanwhile, uh, cast or sorry, I'm mixing, I'm messing up their names now. Kurgan is holding up his sword and absorbing the power of Castigan. See, and that's one thing they did in the series where they sort of standardized what it looks like when when you kill an immortal. In the movie, every single time they kill an immortal, you get totally different special effects. You yeah. know, sometimes you get cars exploding. Sometimes you get manhole covers exploding and flying yeah, off. Yeah, it makes it. Well, it's Windows like the vampires dying up. in Lost Boys. The rules are yeah, not the yeah, same exactly. from from vampire to vampire, from immortal to immortal. Yeah. So if whatever. they if they made Lost Boys the series, please don't. No. Um, please, for God's sake, don't do Kiefer, it. Kiefer, I know you're alive, but do something different. We'll write something for you, Kiefer. Won't we, Jason? Yeah, we will, but I don't have the ability to drive a dump truck full of money up to his house, which uh, is what uh, somebody would do. Josh they, can yeah. drive the dump truck if somebody has yeah. the money. I love the, the... He just pulls the old guys. I that, love, yeah, this is my favorite scene with the curtain because he pulls the old guy out of the car. and Leaves then he, the old lady. And then he leaves the old lady. And he, <laughs> She's <laughs> giving him such strong side eye. No, he wha- yeah, he seriously wags Boom. his tongue at like everybody, <laughs> and he just drives away with her. And then there's somebody on top of the car, like Batman. Yeah, and the and and that dude yelled, "Where are you going with my car?" <laughs> no, I pointed that out to Josh. I was like, "No, my wife." No, 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 not that. Not where are you going with my wife? Where are yeah, you going yeah, with, with my, my car? car? Yeah. <laughs> God. So, so the movie does a surprisingly good job of holding together. It doesn't go off uh. the rails at any point. 
it it, it the narrative of the story stays it does it, calm it, itself down. Yeah, You're right. it, it doesn't just go shit face crazy, and you it's know, not just action, action. Yeah. Pfft, deflate like a bad uh, cake. So yeah. yeah. No, that's only. But this one scene, though, doesn't make sense. I see what you're saying when they're trying to calm it down, and they go back to the detectives, and they're yeah. like, "Okay, the Kurgan person. What would happen? A uh, normal civilian. I mean, marine guy. And despite the fact that he's been impaled through most of his organs and his yeah. spinal column, is surprisingly mobile in his VA bed. Yeah, like leaping up and he's shaking. Not even, he's his not arms. bruised. He's not immobilized in yeah. any way shape or form I'm like this guy would be paralyzed at least from the waist down yeah. come yeah. on there is no way that this guy lived there's and, no way you but, live but he he had to though because to provide exposition yeah, because for the cops he had to tell the cops no it wasn't this guy Nash it was somebody else which you is you sure w- that's not this yeah. picture that I really want it to be yeah. so I can sew up this case you nope it's somebody else yeah. No, so it, it it is. Oh, but there's. Uh, is that the pizza guy? Joe, not not no no. It's not Joe though. Uh, it's f- he's definitely from Gilmore Girls, and it's not Joe. Joe is the guy with the big fro who delivers the pizzas. This is the guy who owns the pizza shop in Stars Hollow, the one in the checkered, uh, or not checkered. That's the window pattern, but the blue suit behind this, the. This scene always confused me. Captain, why? Because. It just cuts to him all of a sudden, like you can't hear what the guy's saying, and he's, he's screaming something. He's out reenacting to him. what happened to him when he was attacked. Yeah, but it's so weird that they do that because they cut away, you can't hear him, and then they cut back to the cops, sort of nodding like that was really significant. What I heard. Oh, I see. And it's like, wait, what? What actually did he just say to them? And somebody sent that marine a lovely fruit basket. You don't yeah. know. Yeah. You don't know. There's one orange. Yeah. There's His one. Mom. His mom. There can only be yeah. one. Uh, or maybe it was, yeah, Headhunter 3, Cop 0. You know. <laughs> Meanwhile, giant bat terrorizes Gotham, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man terrorizes Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, what does incompetent mean? Oh, my <laughs> I love this What's guy. What's a live sex act? <laughs> yeah. I just love he's reading out to the cops, just, you know, just That's totally giving the That's such a condescending joke. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. I'm serving you what a hot dog. What does baffled mean? <laughs> Can you explain this article, Mr. Policeman? <laughs> And now we have what was the the solution to many mysteries in the 1980s, a trip to the library where you can get lost in the world of periodicals and books. I'm sorry. Um, did you say library? Yes, the library. Li- what What is this library you speak of? I know, it's sad. Oh it's, my God. It, it's sad. Remember back in the day when your teachers just said, do some damn research. Yeah. And that just translated to go to the library. <laughs> And I and I love I love that uh, I love that she gets the 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 birth certificates. Yes, of uh, Mr. Nash. Yeah, Mr. Who, Nash. The, well, Br- Brenda. Yeah. Get, she does some digging into uh, Connor McLeod's actual identity. He's going under the I don't remember his first name, but something Nash, uh, where he's uh, like an antiques dealer or something. But come to find that. The actual Mr. Nash died at birth yeah, uh, because he was a bastard and his mother gave birth to him. She died in birth and he died a few minutes after. So, yeah, but they well, make a point of saying, oh, so he wasn't legitimate. And I'm right, just like, yeah. cool. 
This is 2019 where adoptions and yeah, it's, it's, marriages of uh, same sex are a thing. So yeah, thanks he, for that offensive rhetoric. Well, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and, and she also uses a computer. A computer? To, to analyze like they his say signatures. On yeah, to, to, to analyze his signatures on these property deeds. And of course, there's the 80s computer nerd. Because everyone in the 80s who knew how to use a computer looked like that guy. Yeah, there was only one guy. It's the same guy. Yeah, it's guy. the same guy. Yeah. They just trimmed his mustache just so, just so to make him look a little bit different. But she she clues into the fact that this guy, Nash, has been around for a while. No, um, not Nash. Well, Connor's been around for the while yeah, under yeah, the guise. Yeah, yeah. He, he basically takes the identity of dead babies once a lifetime. He dies... Yeah. About once every 60 to whatever years and then finds a dead baby whose identity he can assume, which it wouldn't work in 2019. So what you got here, Brenda, is a guy who's been creeping around since at least 1700. Now I'm going to pretending go. to croak every once yeah. in a while. Now I'm going to go eat my lunch. I've, I'm dropping my this, mother made me a ham and yeah, cheese I'm like she does every on day. You and then I'm leaving. I am out of the movie at this point. This is point. a huge discovery, Brenda, but yeah. I'm not going to help you. And suddenly I don't have a crush on you like every nerd usually does with the investigative journalist. Have you seen this man that looks nothing at all like Lindsey Brown? <laughs> hey, that's Andre the Giant. Get him! <laughs> now here we have the the, the infamous the church, church scene. scene. Yes. Church scene, w- w- church which, scene. This is, of course, the scene where the Kurgan is very rude to uh, people in the church. Including some nuns, yeah. listeners. But he, Clancy Brown then subsequently apologized to everybody because he he didn't want people to be offended. And well, I, which is good a pretty, on Clancy Brown. Yeah, it's, a, it's a pretty dope move, you know. Oh, um, okay. Oh, and sorry to interrupt. But so Connor is lighting a candle for Heather who this is her dying wish, which uh, when Heather does die and Connor buries her in the foothills of the Highlands, she promise, she makes him promise to light a candle on her birthday every day, yeah. which back in the 1500s, birthdays weren't a thing. Your parents didn't care about that. You didn't have birthday parties back or yeah. for, in the 1400s. Yeah. That it, anyway, it just seems so random to me that her dying wish was... My love, light a candle for me on my birthday once a year. And I was like, that's what every dying wife wants. Not go off and be happy. Go off and live your life, white thing. Well, I, I just think, light I a think, damn candle. Yeah, I love how the Kurgan just comes in and just puts out all the candles. It's just such like, a he's, bitch. Such, he's such an <laughs> asshole. You know, I was like, I know you're the bad guy, but do you have to be such a dick? He's uh, got such a Lost Boys vibe, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know this is before Lost Boys, but yeah, all the leather. Except that if, if he met the Lost Boys, all the Lost Boys would immediately weep and cry. Because wet, he's the themselves. one that raped them earlier yeah. in the childhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Hello, boys. God, the tongue action in this movie is just frightening. Better to burn out Tom than Jane to profile. fade away. Oh, God, yeah. Which was ad-libbed. Oh, and I love this part here where the Kurgan... He, he just goes bald. Sl- yeah. It, 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 no, this is his excuse. He says, well, I thought I'd be in disguise. Yeah. And it's like, cool, because stark yeah. bald, you don't He's look cr- any more disturbing yeah. or noticeable he is so crazy i mean he's got he's got clothes pins hanging from the scar around his neck like you uh, do and he's not just bald you can tell he just took a knife out and just started chopping oh yeah happy like, halloween ladies la, 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 la. <laughs> those are not razor oh yeah the tongue lapping at people just yeah and what's hilarious is that those aren't those probably aren't actual nuns, but the fact that I, he apologized to them regardless. I think they, they, they may, may have been. been. Oh, because they would yeah. have had to have. It, it's just like yeah. when you find firefighters and policemen, yeah. people with the actual uniforms. Okay, yeah, that makes I, sense. So yeah, 
If he apologized to them, yeah, they were probably actual nuns. God, I need to look that up. He That's going to bother me. Knees. I took his head and raped his woman. Oh, th- no, because you don't know this. Right, uh, yeah. Th- yeah, Connor's the only one who doesn't really realize that Heather was raped by yeah. the Kurgan way yeah. back in the day. And uh, there's two different schools of thoughts on this with both ladies and gentlemen. And uh, so I, Josh was like, wait a minute. You didn't know your woman was raped? And I was like, yeah, I kind of agree with that. But then I had to think, you know, with Josh, I, w- I would, if something happened to me, I would tell him right away. Because according to Pam Beasley, you know, that would have been the ass whooping of the century. <laughs> but with other men, it's like, do you sort of spoil your image of yourself if you well, tell them that you got and, attacked? And, like that. And that's, also, uh, what if, what if you told Josh but the person that you were telling him about was a nine foot tall homicidal maniac who had just killed the dude who taught Josh how to fight. Have you met Josh? No, that's not the <laughs> point. Heather knew. Yes. That the Kurgan would kill Connor. Yes. And no, so I she, see what... Yeah. She's not going to say anything because I was she, trying yeah, to keep yeah. it on a lighthearted yeah. side because I brought up this very serious topic, but yeah, it, it, but that's an insult to your man in and of itself, because if you know your man's going to get killed by the dude who attacked you, that's hard to deal with right there for your yeah. guy. That's a double insult yeah. to your guy. The fact that you were attacked and he wasn't there to protect you, plus the fact that you assumed that he couldn't exact revenge for you. Right. That's that's a yeah. oh, that's tough. Well, so it, but now Connor finds out. So now, oh, that's it. That's yeah. it. He's in because he's been yeah. on the fence about this whole gathering thing. He doesn't really want to be. Yeah, he really doesn't. He doesn't want to yeah. take the prize. Yeah, he, doesn't he doesn't want to be the, the only one. Yeah. But he doesn't want to die either. So, I mean, that's what should separate him. And that takes me back to Sean Connery, too, because there's this epic amount of foreshadowing in this movie. Oh, yeah. There can be only one that not just the Kurgan says that, but Sean Connery. You know there can be only one. Like, yeah, uh, we get it. And the Kurgan licks the priest. Licks hand. the priest's hand. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a nice day to <laughs> yeah kill the Kurgan. He, he is he is playing the hell out of this part. No, he. I have something to say. He's chewing the shit out of the scene, but he's he's acting his heart out. Oh yeah, so, yeah. I, I mean, I can't really diss it, but he's awesome in this movie. No, I mean, he's Clancy great. Brown it's, is incredibly. It's just so much. He is to this movie what Rutger Hauer is to to uh, Blade Runner. Damn. Yeah. Oh, R.I.P. Speaking of which. Yeah, yeah. We haven't yeah, we Rutger haven't Hauer. talked about our boy Rutger Hauer. I know, so sad. Yes. You know, cuz that dude was awesome. Cuz he he, he could he could play the psychotic, you know, uh uh, you know, evil uh replicant. But he, he did all... sort of a blend of those good guy psychotic yeah. guy things on True Blood actually. Yeah. That was one of the last roles I saw him in. Not one of the last roles that he was in necessarily, but uh, he was Sookie's grandfather on that, on and that here, show. Here we but go. Anyway, the, yeah, the, here we the, go. The, so the now big, it's... The big moment where he reveals to, uh, to Brenda, Brenda. That, that he is immortal, and he does it in the mm-hmm. most logical way possible by killing himself. Taking her to the bat lair. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, imagine the stuff that's in that room, though. I know. The, the, uh, Jason, this is actually what I imagine your workshop at your house looking like, which I still have yet to see. It, it's what I'm going for. All of your models and your Ghostbuster laser packs. Like, I, I, I have to see it and before I just, I die. And I just, I love that it's a round room with the sunken conversation pit. You uh, know? Yeah. It's just, that is, that is cool. That's the pimpinest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. But he's run out of room already. It, yeah, he it, has. It was yeah. obviously a huge room, but he's got to expand. Maybe that's why he really decided. See, Ramirez's coat is hanging behind him. Oh, okay. I think his hat is there too. 
Oh. Um, so he he kept well, I mean, he's he has Ramirez's sword. Um yeah. which is interesting because he also had his own sword. Yeah, see there's there's the peacock, the aged peacock feathers. Yeah, from Ramirez's yeah. uh coat. Yeah, and there's the hat. Oh, I see it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Damn, I did not catch that when I lo- when I it, watched it last night. I, to be honest with you, I watched the movie about a thousand times before I noticed. No, it was that's there. fair. That's yeah. like in everything in Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm like, see that, see this, see that. Oh no, he was like, born in the 16th century. He was born in 1518, not 1418. Oh, we've been my apologies up our to the 16th century. All all of our apologies to yeah, it, right. math ju- in we, general. We We're just lost all of our audience from the 16th century. Oh, sorry guys, immortal or not, we know you're listening. Yeah. Or time travelers. As long know, as we haven't it, lost you Australians, we are No, they're still on sticking it. with us. I know, we love them so much. They're they're looking at the Kirk and going, what, that palmy bastard? <laughs> <laughs> I'd punch his head off. <laughs> <laughs> it would be very easy for you guys. We all know that you were born with superhero powers. Yeah, probably the only country that the Kurgan never went to was Australia. He, he knows Because he, he knew he'd get his ass kicked. That's, that's the actual holy ground. That's yeah. why yeah. nobody fights there. Yeah. yeah, we'll hand you your head and your ass. <laughs> Austin's, it's Canadian. Yeah, so now it's like, oh my God, you are immortal. Let's have sex. I just stabbed you in the chest. Please make love to me. Wait, I have to get my blue jeans. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing comes between me and my Calvins. I mean, phrasing. Uh, I I wonder (laughs) if at the time... I think you mean nothing arrives between me and my Calvin. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I wonder if, like, because as a kid, it was like, does denim have some sort of, like, was that like a condom in the 80s? Did they not invent condoms And then you got a little bit older and arrived that it's the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, there we go. This is a pretty graphic love scene, considering it's 1986. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I I think by this point, it's like, well, we've already, you know, desecrated... Oh, she's got her hand, like... Or he's got his hand, like... (laughs) It's like, no, God, please tell me that's not her. Sorry. (laughs) All all these years. Margaret Thatcher naked on a cold day. (laughs) His ass better not be as smooth as hers. Uh, There's symbolism. The lions. The lions in a cage. Symbolizing something. Yeah, which I don't... It doesn't serve the plot at all. Because, ladies, let me ask you, after a night of passionate lovemaking with an immortal, don't you want to go to the zoo? I mean, what, what else is there? Than to watch yeah, other like you, powerful beasts yeah. rail against their cages. Yeah, I mean, well, I've, I've slept with an immortal, I guess. Uh, zoo? I, yeah, it works. Either that or a movie. Uh, so, But back in the 80s when the animals could actually reach between the bars. Yeah, so so they're they're in love now. Um, yeah. They're, they're madly in love. I don't know that they are, though, because she's like, you know, don't lose your head. And then just leave. <laughs> See ya. Laters. That was a great night. And then just... He's like, wait. He even looks over his shoulder, like, hold on. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, you know. And then, of course, we have to have the. Uh, she lives in the hotel from The Shining. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with all the red carpet. <laughs> I love that he's got. <laughs> Hello, pretty. <laughs> he's, Sorry, he's, I just became it, he, the clown. And he's eating a lolly or a a popsicle. Yeah, <laughs> just he was standing like there, looking like the Kurgan eating a popsicle. Like Whoever dinner. put that popsicle in his hand is a genius. Oh yeah, who needs an Academy Award? Must have been the guy who decided that uh, whoever drove the or piloted the helicopter. Oh, we're and back in the music weapon. video mode. Oh yeah, all the fog. Yeah, inexplicably, the red, the red lights, the, the red lights, the funky lens, the dead lights, Georgie. Uh, but yeah, the the red lights, the fog, yeah, <laughs> just the general funk, and then this crazy ass <laughs> non chase scene Have you where played chicken, <laughs> yeah, and the Kurgan just sort of no, I learned the piano. <laughs> 
What? This, this movie, uh, it <laughs> could have been a joke. This movie is like an hour and 56 minutes long. Yeah, it could it could have been 56 have. minutes and, shorter. And, and remember, they cut a lot of it out. Yes, they yeah. did. And it still could have been shorter. Which is That's... super impressive because it was such a low budget movie and they managed to film so, so much. much. That, on well, two continents. Go. Well, when yeah. you're talking about two continents, yeah, that probably ate up a lot of the budget. But when they started sticking, well, not started, they could only stick to practical effects, just like in Ghostbusters with the spinning spray-painted yeah, yeah. peanut. See, when those were your only options, the options were cheap because you had to get innovative on a budget regardless. The uh, Russell Mulcahy, he's the first guy. Yep, that was him. The guy, the first guy who gets hit by the car was the director. Oh, really? Yeah. He um, Ron Howarded his yeah, way into yeah. his own film. But you know, the the funny thing about the whole movie is that you've got the Kurgan who's obsessed with getting the prize. Yes. And the the catch with the prize is that in the it end, it sucks. Well, you're mortal again. You're mortal, but and you you're can, connected you, to every other yeah, mortal on the planet. Their thoughts. Yeah, their you can hear all their, their thoughts and everything. God, I would yeah. want to kill myself. Yeah, and it's, but at least that's your release if that's what you really need. Yeah. Because, oh, I can't. He knows all the presidents. He knows all their thoughts, the diplomats, the whatever. But you're weighed under this horrendous weight yeah. where you're like, oh, but. I guess I shouldn't clock out because I could help mankind. Yeah, but I guess if you're the Kurgan, it's like, okay, you have this power now, but... It's you, like Robin you, Williams or Tim Curry gaining, yeah. <laughs> gaining the prize. Well, it's almost like, look, this guy's been alive for 4,000 years. I think if you make him mortal, he's going to be dead in a week. He and everyone else, because what worth does he have on life after 4,000 years? Nah, nothing. Like 400 years? It's okay. a big joke to him. Yeah, it's it's all just that's a joke. why he's taking our Connor's woman around and just yeah. playing chicken with her life in a car, taking her in the bike lane on a bridge, <laughs> going yep, the wrong go. way. Silver Cup Studios. Silver Cup Studios. Yep. yep. No. And she passes out because the car chase is just too yeah. much. Oh, oh, no. Mister Drysdale. Well, well and the the other thing with the prize too is that okay, you you can have kids and you're mortal. Which again. some of us don't want. Yeah, but it's almost like. Is was that the message they were going for? Is that really we all think we want immortality, but really what we want is to just be normal again. And if you live long enough, you're just going to want to be normal again. And look at the size of that answering machine. <laughs> it's a si it's roughly the size of my car. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's pretty impressive, and it probably only cost two thousand dollars back then. Only, uh, yeah. and they're really only used for what does Rick and Morty say? They really don't use it for exposition these days, anyway, Jerry. So we're just going to float you the cost of it. <laughs> you know, yeah, answering machine rentals. But you okay? The one under uh, other tender moment to me in this entire movie is. Nash, aka McLeod, saying goodbye to Rachel. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's a different. It's a kind of magic yeah. where she just. And what's baller is that he is. And listeners, if you can hear that, it's about to storm yeah, something fierce in Alpharetta, Georgia. But so we we're gonna try and cut it a little bit close. We're toward the end. Uh, but yeah, so we have this tender scene with uh rachel and nash and she's like mr nash isn't coming back is he and he's actually left everything yeah. to her yeah that's really she, cool she gets everything he's got so, even even if he wins he's not, he's not coming, coming back. back russell nash will die tonight but see that's my question then then he must just be incredible with money because in 400 years he manages to yeah 
acclimatize his way to like a wealthy, unless he only finds wealthy babies who died, which doesn't make sense because yeah. how many bastard babies that die within a minute and a half of their life really have anything to leave yeah, behind? Yeah, I don't, I don't so think so. I, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's more a question of he takes their identity then transfers all the money from the last person into a bank account under the next- Not if he's leaving it to the Rachels. Well, no, maybe he accumulated he it and then left everything. Yeah, I, oh. I think Rachel's the first one he ever, he ever left anything it. to. I think his view is that all of this is over tonight. Yeah. One way or the other. He probably assumed that he was going to be the one to die. Yeah. Which, in all honesty, makes sense because yeah. he's so much younger. He's yeah. He's the Rocky. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's going to lose. But wait, spoiler alert, he doesn't. Yeah. Because he's the good guy. He's the hero. He's, you know. Which in the 80s, that was just kind of obligatory. We didn't really have the bad guy winning or the bad guy. We didn't really have a neutral ending either. Yeah. Kind of like in Harry Potter. Uh, like my friend, I'll give a shout out to my friend, my other friend, Katie. She lives up in Canada. She got very angry with me for calling Harry Potter before the last book came out. Uh, because I made the mistake of uh, being smart enough to be an AP lit in high school and I was like, well, there's a balance to literature, right? And I was 17 years old. So there's a balance to literature. You can have supreme good and supreme evil or neither. Yeah. That means that Harry and Voldemort both have to die. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. she goes, oh my God, Harry's going to die. I was like, not necessarily. That just means that Voldemort might not die. Yeah. And she was like, Oh my God, no. She was like, no, Harry's going to die. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you so much. And I was like, I don't know. The book isn't even out yet. Then the book came out. And guess what? Harry technically died yeah. for like five minutes. Well, and, and you know, it's, there's so many archety- archetypical stories. You know, you can have it where it's- The Matrix. Well, yeah, there's, you know, the hero's journey, which it's yeah. funny because like looking at this movie, it really doesn't fit into, there's, there isn't a hero. so all over the place. Yeah, there's yeah. no like- you know, Russell Nash uh, or Connor McLeod doesn't. Same guy. He doesn't grow as a character. No. You know, you could kind of argue that he changes because he gets the prize and he falls in love with Brenda, you know, who, of course. But he just falls into the same pattern that he was in before. Like, yeah. He, he didn't listen to it. It's not like his mentor's advice really changed his path because his mentor said, right, leave yeah. Heather behind. You're only going to hurt. It's only going to be terrible for both you and her. Leave her behind. Yeah. Spare her that. No, Connor didn't. He stayed with her until she died. Yeah. And then once Connor's mortal and he can have children and stuff, and now that it's, you know, kosher, I guess, he stays with Brenda. Yeah. So now he can have kids and fulfill his life, and that's fine, but kids were the only thing that was really missing from his first relationship besides the lack of aging together. It it doesn't really change who he is no, as a person. It, it, it doesn't, and it, it's also it's another reason why making a sequel to this movie was a bad idea. Yeah, because especially with car batteries and water. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and Josh had to point this out. He was like, "Yeah, the roof is flooding because we all know roofs of major cities don't have drainage." Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "You're the one who didn't recognize Freddie Mercury at the beginning of the movie." Well, so I don't again, know what to tell th- you. this whole ending is just a music video. Oh, it oh it so is. Yeah, I mean the whole thing is just a straight up it's 1980s so, MTV music video, and it's it it's that mixed with Star Wars. Yeah, it's such a lightsaber battle, especially since Krugan or Kurgan has his sh- his shaved head going on like the yeah. Emperor slash um, Darth Vader well, with the helmet taken off. It's just a whole thing. Yeah, and it's you know when you really think about it too. I mean, in reality, 
the guy with the big ass sword versus the guy with the katana, if they're both good with their weapons, the guy with the big ass sword is going to win. Yeah, because the big ass sword gets one hit and that's all it takes. Yeah. It'll go through the guy and the sword yeah. at the same time. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, eh, you know, but again, it's a movie and it's fun, you know, right. but the the problem I have with this, the biggest decision that that I think was just a terrible decision in this movie was in the last scene, which is coming up uh, momentarily, mm-hmm. when Connor McCloud kills the Kurgan. Yeah. And you have the whole big sequence where, you know, he says, ah, there can be only one. Here we are. We're in the scene Yeah, this right now. very fake fall scene. Yeah. <laughs> they they decided that they were going to pick up Connor McCloud. They were going to. On wires. On it's wires. Like, he's but, rolling rocks down to save rock and roll, but, Gene. <laughs> but, but the problem is that they decided to conceal the wires will animate lightning like it's coming down and hitting him. And it basically just highlights the, the fact wire. that there are wires there yes. josh was like baby can you see the wires i was like you don't need you to can't ruin not. this movie i was like you can't yeah. ruin this movie for me honey i did i was like i'd never seen it as a kid you're you're not hurting my feelings yeah like you make ab- fun of it yeah, i don't you, care you absolutely cannot not see the wires and it's it totally ruins the scene <laughs> let me let me give a shout out to brenda despite how badly thought out that move was she attacks the kirkin with a metal pipe while she watches her man fighting for their lives. And that's cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, most women, uh, even Buttercup and all. What all, kept you? <laughs> I've got my <laughs> I've got my thoughts on Buttercup when we get to the Princess Bride. But Buttercup well, was useless in the fire swamp. So but then Brenda like, yeah. is like, I might as well smack this guy with something yeah. that I can find. She, she's not Kim Basinger in Batman. Oh, God. You know, she you think she's Kim Basinger from Batman because well, she does the exact same thing the entire movie, which is basically scream. Well, and since I saw this movie after I saw Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst does the same thing. When Dr. Octopus is trying to tear Tobey Maguire apart, she comes up and tries to defend him. Dr. Octopus catches her before she can do it, but at least she's making herself freaking useful. Yeah. Come on, ladies. If you've got a superhero man, sometimes he's got a moment where he needs to Look at those sparks. Oh, those battery sparks. Now, this scene, I do love this scene because this is where you can really, you can see the fact that 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 Peter Diamond was involved in this movie. Yeah, they actually taught, and the Kirkin salutes Connor and goes in and it's, it's. Well, literally like the only other scene you see this in detail is when the Kirkin parks at his cheap ass motel and starts swinging his long sword around, assembling it and like doing the poses and saluting and doing all that stuff. And then in the end, you see it, and that's it. Yeah. Peter, now, Peter Diamond, I know, was the stunt coordinator, so it's not, you're seeing his work even when you don't realize it. Yeah. Which, um, and Jason, you might find this most interesting. Peter Diamond is the um, guy in Star Wars. Yeah. When Luke is sort of passed out, when he's chasing R2-D2 through the sand dunes, and... Um, Boom, there it is. Oh, the sliced open throat. And wait for it classic delayed head fall off reaches out and he smiles leans forward but yet his head tilts back and his energy starts seeping out of his neck yeah see this is the scene where that was supposed to turn into a giant dragon oh that makes sense yeah because it was the whole thing was that you kill him you know like he chops his head off but that wasn't enough to kill the kurgan yeah because he's been around for so many more years here we go music video push in 
Do you really want to live forever? Oh, sorry. There Wrong movie. There can be only one. And Boom. then all the glass blows Everything out. Everything blows up. The second most yeah! expensive shot of the scene, or of the movie. Fuck yeah. That's I'm surprised. Highlander. I'm surprised his head didn't get <laughs> taken off with all that glass. Yeah, that's true. That would have been really ironic. There can be only one. Flunk. Oh. Now huh. there's none. Yeah. And, there isn't. And here we go. The prize is that some lessons are not worth doing. <laughs> and yep, yep. Look at the wires. Those, yep. those, it's, it's so horrible. Now, I do like the idea that it's almost like he's being attacked by all the other... All the other energies that have been killed yeah, in the fight. Yeah, yeah, it's like all the evil Highlanders and all the good Highlanders. It's supposed to be like their ghosts fighting each yeah, other. Yeah, it's symbolic, around sure. Yeah. But it really just ends up looking like a, a Megadeth video. No, it, no, it really just looks like uh, when Bob took Gene to the planetarium and yeah. he's rolling the rock to save rock and roll, Gene. Like, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Oh, my God. No, but oh, there's oh, the wires. There's the yeah, wires. There the wires. Yeah, see it? Yeah, they no, did, but Peter they did Diamond, a terrible job. To bring him back up, the stunt choreographer, it, he was the Tuscan Raider. Yeah. In episode four, when Luke wakes up from being passed out in the sand, who's the dude who raises a stick above his head, who's like, See, that's the part I want. I just want a little tiny part. I want to be that guy, yeah. a little tiny part. But Peter Diamond was the stunt coordinator for this whole movie. He's just, he's a legend. And so, he's won. Yeah, and there we go. That's And now, of course, we have, you know, one last little scene where he explains blah, blah, blah. And the totally random RAF fighter that flies over that at the very end there's a there's a plane that flies over over scotland yeah in scotland oh man yeah uh it's just it's like there you know and uh they were supposed to be a oh whole, yeah, yeah <laughs> just a random they're in the star wars universe now. yeah just a um yeah um well he might be flying the jedi transition which you don't for, for know. pilot well the the british well version of it. no 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 you know who that probably is given the fact that they're in scotland Hmm. This is probably Ewan McGregor's brother, yes. who's in the Royal Air Force, <laughs> yeah. which I know it's not called that anymore. But yeah, it is. is it? Yeah, RAF. Oh, okay, you yeah. got mad at me during the Mummy when I said the Royal Air Force. No, because were... back then it was called the Royal Flying Corps. Okay. Uh, well, in the movie they still <laughs> called it the Royal Air Force. Either way, in real life, Ewan McGregor's brother is part of the Royal Air Force, and his nickname is Obi Two Kenobi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is great. But yeah, so um. You know, the Highlander has a nice flashback to his whole life. And he hears Ramirez talking to him in the present, too, where he's like, you've done well. Don't lose your yeah, head. <laughs> you know, and, and so, you know, it has this nice little wrap up where he's gotten the prize. He's got the girl. He's got this, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi connection with Ramirez. You know, it all just sort of worked out really nice. Let's ruin to, it with a sequel. I get to die and have <laughs> children and live the life now that I've always wanted. Yeah. Yeah, I get to be constipated and get diarrhea like everybody else. Wait, why did I want to do this? Why oh, did wait, want I kids? didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to do any of this. Yeah, being immortal seemed so much more badass. Yeah, but and there we go. That is, uh, that is. That was Highlander. Highlander. So, Jason, why did you pick this god-awful movie? I, it, it's a movie that, from the time I was a kid, I just absolutely loved because it's for the same reason, you know, like, when I was a kid, I loved Iron Eagle. I loved the Got Goonies. It. I loved, you know, and, you know, it's interesting because on the Alf to Seinfeld scale. I was going to ask. Even as a kid, I recognized that it wasn't a very good movie. Yeah. But I just loved it and enjoyed it. 
And today I watch it. One well, as a kid, we've in, talked about this. Yeah. Special effects, your suspension of disbelief comes so much more easily to you when oh, you're yeah, a little yeah. kid. And that's okay. And yeah. movies affect you on an emotional level much differently when you're younger. Oh, yeah. Than they do when you're older. Yeah. Because you go in with all these defenses and fisticuffs, like ready to be like, oh, I can battle this with logic, whatever. But as a kid, you're just like, whoa, they're fighting with swords in modern day New York. That's so badass. You know? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. even even in Lion King, and not that the animation in Lion King has. Yeah, but even, it is. But it, but yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's yeah. not lessened at all, but it's like, oh my God, watch those animals fighting each other. Like close oh, up. Yeah. That's crazy. It and that's just one of the movies that I grew up with. Yeah, so I would I would put it pretty high personally for me because of the fact that it 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 was always a cheesy cult movie. Sure. That I enjoyed, and it's still a cheesy cult movie. I enjoy. I it, I, I enjoy it for the same reasons today, honestly, that I do. It's it's not even like other movies where now I I enjoy it for totally different reasons. Now I enjoy it for the exact same reasons I did when I was thirteen. Yeah, you know? because it, it hits you on that same emotional level. Yeah. Like I, I and I'm the same way with Pirates of the Caribbean, which we have to do if nothing yeah, we for then for my emotional health. But I love that movie so much, and it's it's one of the last movies I remember seeing because I would have been about like that range. You said you lose that by about fifteen at the latest. Yeah, yeah. And I would have been about fourteen when Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, Black uh, Curse of the Black Pearl, came out, and that movie just enchanted me and still does to this day and to that end all the sequels that came out nobody could say a bad word against them that i didn't pew pew i've got a defense right, yeah, for it yeah. whatever i i don't care i love them all <laughs> they're they're magnificent so it i'm glad that it it still scales so where where did you say it scales on i i would i would keep it at, a, at about an eight for me because okay, because enough. because i still feel i mean it hasn't gotten better it hasn't gotten worse but it either. hasn't gotten more, worse either which <laughs> You know, it, it's still, in my opinion, or maybe, I don't know, does that make it a five? Um, it's not no, better. No, don't, don't yeah. change it because yeah. of that. Like, let that let that remain your emotional scale because that's, yeah. that's the whole point of Alf to Seinfeld. Yeah. There's not supposed to be a science to so it. I, I, it's I, how you feel about I it. I stick with an eight. All right. Um, given the fact that I first saw this movie yesterday as an adult, quote unquote adult, um, I'm going to give it a solid four. <laughs> that's fair. That's totally fair. Because it just, it was what it was. Yes. And it was exciting. I And it, you know. It, it, well, it, again, it's sort of like, um, what was the movie? I, there was a movie I watched not too long ago. It was a movie uh, that, oh God, what was it? It was an Describe 80s. It. Well, okay, I'll give you an example um, of something that we've done, which is It, which I really didn't mm. watch when I was a kid. So I didn't have Young the. Young Adam. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't have the kid emotion associated with it mm -hmm. so it was just a crappy movie yeah and you know it's like well it's a totally different experience and on that note i am going to say that uh we have uh, discussed highlander long enough and uh darth you have any uh closing uh it, it was fun actually considering the fact that it was the first movie that i've seen since death race that i actually had never watched before before watching this pot or before recording the podcast with you so that was exciting especially yeah, since true. it was a surprise to me wait, that i had wait till we do it. baron munchausen oh god you yeah. ain't well seen, that one i know haven't i haven't seen, seen you haven't seen anything yet i'm i'm planning to be um incapacitated for that uh particular recording yeah, you might we'll, need to be we'll see what 
Yeah. <laughs> well, not the recording, but the re- the viewing of the movie yeah. at the very least, because Meg's Meg's claiming up and down listeners, and she will be reappearing for those of you who love her. Katie, I know that you've requested Meg's presence again, and she is coming back. So, Meg, we are looking forward to seeing you again. Um, we've also got some more exciting episodes. I need to stop uh, telling you what order they'll appear in because life inevitably happens, so I'm going to stop doing that. But we've got some exciting episodes coming up, including Ferris Bueller, Aladdin, um, Lost Boys, Boys, and Randy's episode of Animaniacs. Yes. Uh, And uh, the Battle Royale episode one. Well, unless you're listening to this in a different sequence, in which case those have already come out. Yeah, they've all come out (laughs) along with the episode two of Young Adam's It. So we've got a bunch of new stuff coming out for you guys and uh, stuff that we're always going to tease you about, but not really give you any details about. That's the whole fun of teasing. And check out the uh, website. Uh, We've posted our first blog post and more of those are to come. Yes, Darth has some thoughts. So join us for our blog posts at hindsightishorrifying.com. Our email doesn't exist anymore. We don't believe in email. That's that's yeah. old man and lady Get us stuff. on Instagram. It's easier. Get us on the Insta. We're Hindsight is Horrifying on Instagram. Or if you still believe in Twitter, uh, you can find us at Hindsight Horror. Or you can find me personally at Darth underscore Jader underscore. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at North Foggy. Yes. So, listeners... We appreciate you taking time out of your day, especially as long as our podcast episodes are, to listen to our nonsense. Until next time, we love you or hate you, depending on which country you come from. Until next time, this has been Dark Jader. And Jason Mitchell. Good night.